0: welcome back to half the battle i'm your host as always daniel levy your guest co-host nick finesse the books today we're going to be talking about ufc sao paulo and my friends it's going down this saturday night live at the ibera gymnasium in sao paulo brazil we got the phenom jailton almeida undefeated in the ufc taking on the UFC KO King, Derek, the Black Beast Lewis in the main event. And Nick, uh, I mean, we know where each guy wants the fight to take place. We know exactly what each guy wants to do. And we also know for a fact that, listen, someone's going to tap or someone's going to nap on Saturday night in Brazil.
1: Yeah, I mean, super excited main event. Um, I'm super excited for this card in general. Um, Again, we've seen a lot of these in the past month or two not not the biggest name value but uh the the matchmaking is incredible on this card so that's what excites me as a fan um i think there's a lot of betting opportunities as well which we'll talk about but yeah super exciting main event super exciting card in general um and yeah i'm happy to be here bro i appreciate you having me um you know i've said this to you before uh was a fan of the show fan of yours before anything so super humbling super excited to be here and yeah let's talk let's talk some fights bro
0: well, I appreciate that, and let's get right down to business. Because in the main event, we got Jailton Malhalginio Almeida. He's nineteen and two, taking on Derek, the Black Beast Lewis, who's twenty-seven and eleven. And currently, they got it: Jailton Almeida minus five hundred. The comeback on Derek Lewis is plus three eighty-five. So, I mean, there's a couple different ways to look at it, right? I mean, you can look at it as Jailton one takedown. The fight's over shortly after. You could also look at it as black beast has a history of he gets taken down in fights he gets into bottom side control and he explodes back up to his feet and when he gets off with that black beast blitz man i mean it's funny because he doesn't look like the most athletic guy but he will throw flying knees he will throw head kicks and let's not even talk about his ridiculous punching power that he possesses you know one doesn't simply make francis and ganu shy to throw in the pocket which is i mean i guess he, I guess he felt what was coming back at him, you know. And Derek Lewis, as a plus three eighty-five dog, here we are talking about a guy. As I as I mentioned, beat Francis and Boring or not, beat Francis and Gano. Beat Curtis Blades. Beat Alexander Volkov. So he's beat the who's who in the division. Got the most knockouts in the history of the sport, not just the division, Nick. The sport. And Jaelton Junior is a phenom on the mat. This is a guy that. When he was on contender series, he was in there with a serious Russian. You think of the Russians as the guy taking people down. This guy was tooling that Russian, ends up submitting him, which one doesn't simply do. Comes into the UFC and ran through everybody accordingly. So now it's time for that step up, and he's headlining in Brazil. I mean, this is an unbelievable opportunity for him and for Derek Lewis. You know, a lot of people thought, hey, that last fight was going to be his retirement fight. A lot of people made a really bad bet, myself included, on Marcos Rogero de Lima Pezao, who in hindsight, you know, couldn't even sniff uh, Derek Lewis's jockstrap, you know, con- considering the people that Derek Lewis has not only competed against, but beat over the years we just thought that maybe it was finally time for Derek lewis to hang it up not only does he not hang it up he gets that 30 second knockout signs an eight fight contract with the ufc so now we can get to see the black beast retire in the octagon where he belongs this is an amazing main event i mean which way you see it going down
1: yeah i I love the breakdown um yeah, I, I like Almeida in this fight. I'm, a, you know, obviously huge, huge line which, which you don't love, but uh, I'm gonna find a way to play him. Um, you know, starting on, on the Almeida side, like you said, just absolute fucking destroyer. Uh, 14 fight win streak, uh, won all six of his UFC fights, including including uh, Dana White contender series, all in under eight minutes. Uh, 19 wins, 19 finishes. Um, elite offensive wrestling grappler. Not not good, not decent. Elite uh, offensive wrestling grappler especially up at heavyweight, uh, where he, he's given up some size of course, but, um, uh, but still freakishly strong, right. The, you know, he he gives away some stuff, but, um, definitely some advantages, right. The, the, the power trance is over. He's going to be much, much faster, much more athletic than a lot of guys he steps in there with. Um, you know, obviously he wants to take you down, beat you up and choke you out. Um, and everybody knows it. No one can stop it. Um, so far in the UFC, we'll see what happens. Um, you know and he's looking for opportunities to do so uh, as soon as the fight starts which, which is what i like to see uh do what you're best at, do it early do it often uh know what your game plan is and that's exactly what uh Jonathan almeida wants to do uh secure takedowns multiple times uh within 20 30 seconds around one sometimes even you know five ten seconds in he he's he's at your hips and you're on your back which i love to see personally um and more times than not like like you said uh, it's one takedown and the, and the fight is over um you know last five i made opponents have landed a combined 27 total strikes and that just you know points to to the absolute dominance the control um and him getting guys out of there uh, early uh great timing great speed on his entries elite top control and, and a fight iq is through the roof which is what i like to see the, this guy um you know still still young in his ufc career but he is just one step ahead uh doesn't matter the weight weight class doesn't matter the opponent um you know, very patient, very composed, wherever the fight goes. He just kind of waits and sees what guys wants to do, right? He, he gets you down, uh, gets in dominant positions. It kind of just waits. You know, how do you want to get finished? Do you want to get choked out? Uh, do you want me to beat your fucking face in? Um, and he just kind of ebbs and flows, uh, depending on what his opponent gives you, which which I absolutely love. Um, you know, he has, he has an answer for everything. Amazingly slick transitions, uh, rarely makes any mistakes on top. Uh, great at at at, uh, at at that wrist control. Great at um, getting the wrist and kind of controlling you with that. Um, and guys just have no answer for that. Um, great at getting his hands locked, too, once he enters. Uh, does that super fast, um, super efficient with getting his hands locked. Once he gets his hands locked, it's over. You're on your back. So, um, you know, fully aware of everything on top, just fully aware wherever the fight goes. He's the fucking Brazilian Khabib Dan. You know you know that. Brazilian Khabib. Um he's absolutely ragdolling on guys that are 30 40 pounds heavier than him. Um including his last fight. I think I think the the broadcasters were saying um that he was almost 40 pounds heavier than him on fight day and the guys, you know, Jalton is is picking him up, slamming him and just absolutely dominating him. So, um you know, nasty ground and pound, very aggressive with his subs. Loves his rear naked choke, but you know, variety of subs. He you know, he he's going to be wearing the strap one day. It's just a matter of when. So, you know like you said derrick lewis absolute fucking legend um you know since i started really watching the game and really being entrenched in the game uh some of the most memorable um moments in my eyes right the, the curtis blaze uppercut on the entry um you know the alexander volkov the, the the last second ko alexander volkov where he's getting absolutely dominated so yeah absolute legend uh you know i'm happy for him with, with the new contract happy for all his success um but you know, I, I don't want to say it's a money grab, right? You sign your contract, you, you got a bunch more fights left, most likely. Uh, but th- this is really tough, right? Going into enemy territory, fighting an absolute boogeyman of the division. Um, I, I see, I see one way Derek Lewis wins this fight, and it's it's the same outcome in all these other fights. Um He can absolutely start Jolton. That that's never out of the question. Uh, But that's 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 the only way. Uh Jolton is going to take him down. He's going to dominate him. I think he finishes him within two rounds. So i'm gonna find the best way to to play that so jilton you know i don't see anybody um you know as far as his next couple fights next five fights on his way to the scrap. i don't see anybody uh giving this guy problems um i, I love his game i love his potential um i love the talent and um yeah i think he dominates this fight
0: yeah i mean there's definitely a possibility of that and of course i am picking jilton in the spot but I do think that there is a case to make for the black beast here. And that case is that how many times have I seen him get taken down in fights? Like I said, the opponent passes the side control. He, you know, black beast chills for a little bit and then he explodes back up to his feet. Then he gets off on that black beast blitz. And then possibly if I had to, you know, point any holes in Jalton's game, I have questions about his chin. I have questions about his cardio. I have questions about his stand-up. So if he can't just get this sub, you know, not necessarily right away, but within the first few takedown attempts, that's where I'd be worried about then he starts shooting from a mile away. That's when, you know... Black bees can start stuffing a bit, rough him up on the feet, give him a taste of that power. So I do think that there's like, like, like I'm saying, if these guys run it 100 times, I think that there's going to be instances where Derek Lewis knocks this man out. Period. Point blank. It's just am I predicting it to happen this Saturday night in Sao Paulo, Brazil? Probably not. But I mean, would it would it put a smile to my face? Yes, not because I want to see Jaelton lose, but just because who doesn't? I mean, you know what kind of speech he would have. Like, listen to this: when when non-Brazilians beat Brazil beat Brazilians in Brazil in the main event, usually you got the fans throwing trash into the octagon, this and that. There's a riot. I feel like if Derek Lewis knocks out Jaelton and does one of his funny ass celebrations, and then gets on the mic and is hilarious in the speech, he might even win over the Brazilian crowd, which is a very you know, rare occurrence. And Jailton, someone brought up a good point in the comments. He is a light heavyweight fighting at at, at heavyweight here. So what I think is that I think he needs to get it done early. I really do think that the longer this fight goes, it's funny because Derek Lewis is the guy we've seen in extended fights sometimes. He'll put his hands down on on his knees, on his hips. You'll need to catch his breath a little bit. But you see he's been jogging with uh, Nick Diaz. And not that, you know, I want to put any stock into some photos that I don't know anything about. But just saying, last time people uh, brought up, oh, look, he's got abs now, you know. Um, but I'm just saying, if he can somehow survive these bad spots, explode back up, start to discourage Jalton, start to make him shoot from a mile out, start to let him feel that power, I think that Derek has a path to victory here. It's just, is he going to get to that point? Because look at the Spivak fight, right? We only remember that. Well, Spivak submitted him in three minutes and something and in the first round. But when you look at it, Spivak took him down six times. What that means, Nick, is that Derek Lewis got up five times, right? So when that happens, I'm just curious if Jailton is going to keep his head on straight, be like, hey, no big deal. Let's get right back to the game plan. or is that where he starts to gas out a little bit? Is that where he might eat a a big shot along the way, right? So I do think there's a path to victory for Derek Lewis. I'm going to pick Jailton. Um, I mean, I do think his ground game is that dominant, but I mean, people making the case for Black Beast, I'm not against it at all because it's one of those things where he could get blown out the water or he could go through some early adversity and then come out on top. with with a knockout along the way. How many times have we seen it? And to be called the UFC KO king, like, you know what that means? That means that Francis Ngannou is not the UFC KO king. That means that Drew Dober and Dustin Poirier are not the UFC KO kings. That means that Anderson Silva and Vitor Belfort are not the UFC KO kings. This guy has the most KOs in the history of the sport. So is it going to surprise you if he does it again? No, Um, but... The dominance of Jailton, his positional awareness, and his jujitsu caliber just seems to be on that level to where he can, you know, make it look easy. But I am worried that if you're laying minus 500, he gets his early takedown, he passes to mount, and Black Beast explodes back up to his feet. I, like I said, I have questions about Jailton's cardio, I got questions about his striking, his striking defense. He has been knocked out before. So I'm not gonna lay the chalk. I understand you're looking for other angles to play it, and I think that would probably be the best way to go. Now, are you leaning more towards sub, or are you leaning more towards ground and pound TKO? Because, um, it, you know, you could get burned on. One, I haven't checked what the numbers are. I assume sub is in the minus uh, money, and I assume that TKO is in the plus money. But what kind of minus, What kind of minus money are we talking about with the sub?
1: Yeah, I haven't checked. I'm waiting for it to come on on domestic books. And that's what I don't really want to play with. I, I think both are live. I think he's more liable to, to choke him out. And, uh, you know, you bring up valid concerns. Um, you know, the the explosiveness uh, from Derek on bottom. But that's what I think Jowlton handles so well, right? He's very smart. He knows what these heavyweights want to do. We saw in his last fight, the guy is big as fuck, right? Not going to be as powerful as as Derek Lewis, but he's big as fuck. And that's all he was trying to do was kind of buck him off. And Jowlton, I, I just think the speed... And the athleticism of Jowton is going to be able to counteract that, right? I think. Uh, you mentioned, um, you know, if the game plan fails, right, or or if he gets one or two takedowns, and and Derek Lewis gets back up, is he going to abandon the game plan, or um, how how locked in is he going to stay mentally? And I don't. Again, it's tough to say because we I don't know 100. percent I haven't seen it, um, but I lean towards the side that he is very very smart in there and he knows what he wants to do, and he can kind of overcome that adversity with his athleticism, his experience, right? 21 pro fights. Um, And I think he's just going to be so much faster than Derek Lewis on the ground and just one step ahead, right? Um, You know, like you said, we've seen him uh, be taken down and get up, Um, but Jalton is a fucking animal, right? So like I said, he's going to give up size, but that speed and that, that athleticism, right? He might be able to buck him, but you're going to have to do something, right? You're going to have to give up your back. You're going to have to you know, get on a hip or, or do something, and, and Jolton is going to see it coming. And I think he's going to be way too fast on the ground. So um, I do genuinely think, right, if Jolton gets his hands hands locked and Derek loses on his back, I'm under the assumption that the fight is going to be over. So, uh, like you said, I, I don't want to fuck with the TKO or sub because Jolton can end it however he wants. And that's part of him being so smart, right? If he's he, a lot of his ground a pound he throws hoping hoping that you turn over and want to get the fuck out of there so he can choke you out so yeah i'm not gonna mess with that out i'm more looking towards either maybe parlaying them or taking you know Gileton and fighting out to start round three or something like that i gotta wait for the lines to drop on the books but yeah you bring up some some valid points um i know some people that took the heavy plus money in his last fight and cashed for, for big big money um and they're going right back to it so you know can't camp not you know not gonna knock it at all it's Derek fucking lewis you know what i'm saying but uh Yeah, I think is too good, too fast, too athletic, um, way too good on the ground.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's just for me, for a minus 500, I'm really intrigued about this fight. Usually with minus 500, it's like, okay, you know, I'm just going to blow him out the water real quick. And that might still happen, my friend, but it's just knowing Derek Lewis's history, I can't wait for this fight. And I don't find myself often saying that about about minus 500 spots. So I'm looking forward to it. Co-main event in the evening in the welterweight division, we got the undefeated stud Gabriel Bonfim. He's fifteen and zero, taking on the prospect killer <laughs> Nicholas Dalby. He was twenty two, four and one. Currently, they got it. Gabriel Bonfim minus six hundred. The comeback on Nicholas Dalby is plus four fifty. So, this is an interesting fight, my man, because Gabriel Bonfim. The question is, how good is he really? Well, I mean, it seems like he's got the goods. He's got the the physique. He's got the build. He's got one of the nastiest guillotines I've seen in the welterweight division in a very long time. And you look at that contender series fight, right? And he was in there with this kid Trey Waters. And let me tell you, Trey Waters' physical attributes: six foot five with a seventy-seven inch reach, right? And the reason I'm bringing that up is because Trey Waters attempted one of those power guillotines, uh, which you know, like I like to refer to as a long man choke. Like you look at like John Jones versus Machida, right? For example, right? When you get caught in one of those long man chokes against a dude that's six foot five with a 77 inch reach, I mean, it's usually night, night. And the fact that this dude, Bonfim, was able to pass his guard and turn that into a Von Fluke choke, I mean, I don't know if people are giving him the praise he deserves for that because that was high level, as hell my friend the awareness to to stay composed because like i said dude those long mans that law lo- that lock in those kind of power guillotine chokes bro like two seconds and you're out you make the one wrong move and, and you don't even have time to tap you're unconscious we're going to talk about kevin lee and um renat right and how renat uh i mean kevin lee didn't even get a chance to tap you know what i'm saying that's how that's how quickly those power guillotines can lock in. And for this guy to have the awareness to pass the guard, not only pass the guard, my friend, but lock in a Von choke, use that choke against him and then put him out. Bro, right then and there, I was like, OK, OK, I'm taking note, makes his UFC debut against Munir. And I know Munir has been hit or miss, but to get Munir out of there and under 50 seconds. All right, kid. Well, here's your Trevin Giles test. Like, if you're not on the level of Trevin Giles, Trevin Giles is going to expose you, man. Trevin Giles has been around the block for a long time. There's been a lot of up-and-comers that had to take the Trevin Giles test along the way, and they didn't pass it. Guys like Brendan Allen, guys like Ryan Spann. Back in the day, this kid named Antonio Braganedo. Like, uh, he—a lot of people were looking at him as a potential prospect— that got shut down real quick uh, by Trevin Giles. Bevon Lewis, he had a lot of hype coming into the UFC. Even Roman Dolits, they took away his his undefeated record. So I'm just saying, if you're not quite on the level of a guy like Trevin Giles, he will expose that very quick. And Bonfim just gets him out of there in under 90 seconds, you know and people like to talk about well you know guillotines high risk high reward if you don't get it you're giving up position you're going to burn your arms out this and that i think that's a very valid concern but this is a real guillotine guy. this is not one of those you know oh he's gonna sell out for it and then he's gonna quit and he's gonna do the whole bit i mean this is a guy that on his regional scene not just the guillotine the Dars, the rear naked uh the triangle i mean this guy has an array of submissions he's got punching power and he just looks like that guy. Here's my thing with Dolby, bro. Cause I keep thinking Dolby is on his way out. Dolby's 38 years old. He's going to turn 39 um, in about 15 days. And, I'm always thinking that, I mean, this is a guy that gets dropped in multiple of his fights, but he is insanely tough. You go all the way back to that Darren Till fight, and I know now it's easy to say, oh, Darren Till, you know, he washed out. But at the time, Darren Till was the 13-0 phenom making his way up. Darren Till drops Nicholas Dalby in that first round. He's doing his thing in that second round. And you can blame it on the injury, the blown-out shoulder or what, but... Let me just put it this way. Nicholas Dalby put it on Darren Till in a way where all of a sudden it didn't matter that Darren Till dropped Nicholas Dalby in that first round. All of a, all of a sudden, it didn't matter that Darren Till looked like the best fighter in the world for seven and a half minutes. Because that 10-8 round and that third, I mean, Darren Till is lucky they didn't stop that fight. And you know, what's, you know what else is interesting? The fight prior to where he exposed Darren Till he beat Eliza in Brazil in his UFC debut. This is a guy that has a good history against Brazilians. Beat Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Now, I know y'all that have watched that fight know that the ref uh, <laughs> gave a very questionable stand-up and arguably cost Alex Oliveira that fight, but... Regardless of of that, you know, he still got the dub over another Brazilian against Claudio Silva against Worley Alves and the Worley Alves fight was interesting, too, because I thought to myself going into that fight. Well, listen. Who are the kind of guys that Warley can still be, right? You can beat someone that gets dropped in multiple fights. Dolby gets dropped in multiple fights. You can, you can beat someone that's, you know, kind of getting up there in age. Dolby's getting up there in age. And I thought to myself, hey, Warley, let's come out here aggressive these first two rounds. And if you want to guess out, just hang on for dear life in that third round. And it was actually Dolby that put it on Warley Alves in those first two rounds. And Dolby was the one that slowed down from whooping on Warley Alves in those first two rounds. So, that was really interesting and then the muslim salikov fight i thought that salikov i was like dude if all these other guys are dropping nick dalby i mean what do you think salikov's gonna do when he spin kicks him in the face and the pace that dalby pushed on him i mean there was no energy to spin anymore so dalby is a guy like it doesn't look the prettiest and he's got a way of slowing these fights down and taking ass whoopings up front and then coming back and putting it on you late win lose or draw he does that a lot so it'd be interesting to see if gabriel can't get him out early and this gets extended and and dalby takes gabriel to a place he's never been deep waters in a ufc fight in the co-main event in brazil i mean listen Dobby's got more experience beating Brazilians in Brazil than Gabriel Bonfim does. But that being said, I just do think that the youth, the tenacity, the just the physical presence of this kid, the confidence. Not to mention, what's the what's the age gap between these two? It's it's got to be something crazy, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Hold on. Uh, it's
1: like thirteen years, right?
0: Yeah, it's uh, thir- thirteen. He's thirteen years younger, so that's got to count for something. Um. I am going Bonfim here. It's just, you know, we're looking at, I don't know if I mentioned the odds, it's minus 600 Bonfim. The comeback on Dolby is plus 450. I'm all good on that minus 600, but my pick is going to be Gabriel Bonfim here to continue um, his nice little prospect run here.
1: Yeah, Dan, I, I mean, you mentioned it. That that contender series performance from Bonfim was fucking incredible. Um, And that just kind of, you know, perfectly wraps up. What you get with bonfim um like you said that that choke was tight as fuck, uh that the dude had on him it was tight and you could tell uh from the way sorry my dogs um and you whoa, try... whoa, whoa.
0: is nicholas dolby live
1: <laughs> no um but yeah so you could tell from the way he right. was reacting that uh um, that that that, that, ch- that choke was super tight and like you said bonfim turns it around knew exactly what to do kind of flips to the other side and and Von Flews him, right? I remember um, I remember watching it live and I, I taped it back and uh it's fucking hilarious. Daniel Cormier didn't even know what happened. He thought uh he thought Von got got subbed and it was fucking hilarious. Uh but yeah, just amazing stuff, right? And and it got tapped pretty quick to the Von Flew, uh, which just goes to show the strength and, and the squeeze on Von Uh but yeah, Dan I, I took all of the four and a half minutes you know it took to watch Von entire UFC career, right? I took time, right? You're welcome. Um, and and holy shit, right? Holy fuck. That, that's what I came away uh, rewatching watching his career. Um, undefeated, 15-0, 15 finishes, 12 subs. And I think you mentioned this, guillotines, uh, rear naked, triangles, arm triangles. Just incredibly versatile. Um, absolutely electrifying in the cage. Uh, pretty wild on the feet, um, but extremely aggressive, right? Nasty jab, fast, long, powerful jab, uh, nasty hooks, throws and combos, which you like and dynamite power um as soon as the bell rings right he's in your face um right throwing bricks at your head throwing absolute bricks at your head uh willing to stand a trade despite his great offensive and uh, you know offensive grappling and and wrestling which can be dangerous right he, he is you know we'll talk about some other guys um on his card and we just talked about um johnson Almeida. he he doesn't play that fucking game he's not going to stand a trade with you he's going to put you on your ass and try to beat you the fuck up and um you know bonfim is completely willing to stay in the trade. Um, you know, striking defense is a major concern for Bonfim um, for me. Um, we haven't got, gotten to see it much or at all because he's absolutely kind of running through guys. Um, but I'm blanking on a fight. Um, yeah, we saw it a little bit in the Waters fight. Um, you know, other two fights, like you said, ended in under a minute. Um, you know, when, he, when he's coming in and when he's, you know, after he finishes the combo, his chin is up in the air, um, hands it down. Uh, so that, that's concerning, right? He's gotten hit before. Uh, he's definitely gotten touched up before. Um, Waters was Waters was was touching him on, on a feet. And I, I know Waters is super, super long, um, but he was just kind of pulling back and countering and couldn't miss for, for the first couple minutes of that fight. Uh, so obviously that's a little bit concerning. Um, but when he chooses to wrestle, you know, extremely fast, extremely technical entries, great on top, super heavy, um, always hunting for the finish, which is what I love, especially if you're, you know, if you're in the camp that you want to lay this truck, you want a guy to gotta to finish early. Um, nasty Gilly, like you mentioned, uh, this, the squeeze is something different. The squeeze on another level, and that's what separates them. Like you said, usually guys that jump Gilly, it's like holy fuck. Especially when you got money on them, it's like oh no, here we go, guys jumping Gilly. But Bonfim is, is something different. He jumps Gilly, and he, you know, he's looking to take his take, you know, take the guy's head home with him. So. Um, just an athletic freak, incredibly explosive, um, and a ton of technique to go along with the explosiveness, which is what a lot of guys lack, right? They'll come into the UFC. They're super explosive, super electrifying, but they lack that technicality that, that gets exposed. So, uh, for me, it, it's just a lack of striking defense and he's still unproven, right? You say what you want about him, right? I just went on for, for five minutes about how much I, I, I love his, his skills, but still extremely unproven. Uh, you know, when your whole, when your entire UFC career, including Dana White's contender series. It's six minutes, right? There's going to be a lot of questions that still need to be answered. Um, just a, a lot of question marks for me on the Dolby side. I think you broke it down, uh, perfectly, right? He, he's a dog, and you know, he has an, an adept ability to turn fights into dog fights and, and slow down a pace and make it more uh, a, a Dolby pace. And you know, this fight seems perfect for that, right? Survive, try to slow Bonfim down when you can, um, you know, display that toughness. Drag him into late water, and you know maybe turn it into your kind of fight, right? More of a dog fight. Um, you know, I, I think Bonfim can succeed in dog fights because, like I said, freakishly athletic, super powerful, um, and has that wrestling in his back pocket to bail him out. But this is a big test, right? This is a big step up, in my opinion, a big test. You mentioned Dobby's age, right? W- which is obviously concerning, right? Once you start hitting that age, um, that, that 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 uh steep cliff can can come at any minute um uh, but Dalby's look good Dalby's look good bro super tough uh you know good hands and I think he can give Bonfim some problems so you know unlike the main event where it's heavy chalk on, on Jalton I am not excited and probably not at all gonna be laying his chalk in, in any form of fashion even if you try to parlay Bonfim you know in a lot of spots you're gonna still be laying two to one you know on a two-leg parlay so that that you know when I parlay that that's uh the, the most it'll go you know i try to put out two legers where i see some value and and just hammer the fuck out of those spots but this is a a, a sit down you know get some popcorn and, and watch this fight and be entertained fight for me so very fascinating main event very interesting fight i think it's amazing matchmaking which i think is consistent throughout the card, like we open with but yeah big test i think Bonfim passes the test that's my pick for the show uh but betting wise i'm staying away from this i might poke at some you know some props, some some big money props when it when they drop. But um, stay away fight for me. I'm I'm excited to see it.
0: Featured bout in the heavyweight division, we got a rematch between Rodrigo Nascimento. He's ten and one, taking on Dante Elmeas, who's ten and five currently. They got it. Rodrigo Nascimento minus one seventy. The comeback on Dante Elmeas is plus one forty five. So listen, man. I mean, the first time they fought, Rodrigo Nascimento beat the shit out of Dante Elmeas in a way where we're I mean, I don't know about you, but I was thinking, like, hey, man, this is like a heavyweight prospect to look out for, man. I mean, he was out striking him on the feet, but what really impressed me was, I mean, like, we talk about how guys, you know, the first couple takedowns might get stuffed, and it's a question of are they willing to just keep digging deep and keep going for it over and over and over like a Bryce Mitchell, right? Rodrigo Nascimento, his takedowns didn't get stuffed. He went two for two, like, right, right off the bat. So whenever he wanted to take down Dante Almeyes, He took down Dante Almeyes, and Dante Almeyes, listen, he's come a long way. I got to give him credit. I know that he's still pulling stunts at this point, but he, uh, I don't know if you remember when he was on Contender Series the first time, and Snoop Dogg infamously said that this guy wasn't invited to the gang fight, you know? So, like, to overcome that, and now all of a sudden, you've won some UFC fights, you're still in the UFC to this day, hey, Respect to you, man. You knocked out Andre Arlovsky. Like, hey, even if you go and lose your next 10 fights, you can always tell your grandkids you knocked out former UFC heavyweight champion and future Hall of Famer, Andre Arlovsky. So shout out to Mays. He's come a long way. And I mean, he's got physical attributes, man. He's 6'6", 260 pounds, 81 inch reach. So it's like... If I had the video game controller for for uh, Dante Almeida, it's kind of like we're going to talk about this kid, Mark D'Casey, uh further down the card. But if I had the video game controller for these guys, like, bro, like, I mean, we could be talking about, you know, con- con- contenders and stuff, <laughs> but unfortunately, you know, that Tim Sylvia quote, uh, what was it about how, like, um, something about, oh, I forgot the fucking quote about the, per- how much percentage of the game is mental. Uh, Like, uh, let
1: me look it up real
0: quick. What's the Tim Sylvia quote about the game being mental? Like 90.
1: No no idea, my brother. Um, Okay.
0: Something about half of the game is 90% mental. Something something (laughs) crazy-ass quote like that, right? Right? It was something. Y'all let me know in the comments the, the famous Tim Sylvia quote. But what I'm trying to say here is that Maze, like, physically speaking, he's got everything I want. One punch, knockout power. Uh, I mean, look at the attributes, bro. Like what is, what else is there to say? Um, He ain't no pipsqueak. It's just, he doesn't fight like we want him to fight most of the time. You know, he pulls a lot of stunts in there. Um, You know, when he gets taken down, he tends not to get back up. So here, you know, I was listening to Moicano's podcast. Uh, He said that Rodrigo Nascimento trains the ATT, and he said that uh, Moicano often criticizes the heavyweights for being lazy, you know, because they don't have to cut weight. No, Now, I'm not talking about Derek Lewis, but I'm talking about Nascimento, who comes in at 246, right? He's not coming in at 265 at the limit, or Dante is might be pretty close to, right? So Nascimento, he can eat pizza. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. He's still going to make weight. And Moicano said, now listen, talk is cheap. Here's the quote from Tim Sylvia. 90% of the fighting game is half mental. That, that that's what it was, right? I appreciate you fam. Um Moicano said that Rodrigo Nascimento has been showing up to the gym early. He's been taking his diet seriously. He's taking this featured bout in Brazil seriously and you don't want to lose to a guy that you ran through. And and one could look at it as like, hey, you already beat the shit out of this guy once and made it look easy. Like, why even give him a chance to, to get you back on that one? But it sounds like Rodrigo Nascimento is motivated for this and sa- sounds like he's taking it seriously. My issue with Nascimento, I think he's a bit on the chinier side. Um, I think he's been rocked in multiple fights. Maybe he can slow down sometimes. So there are concerns from that standpoint. And again, Dante May is... I mean, is it going to surprise you if he knocks out nacimento Mento? It's not going to surprise me. The guy, he is that physical freak. But I just think when we're talking about it, this comes down to a battle of wills. Who wants it more? Who's got the better decision making? Who's the tougher guy? And who already has the mental edge of, you know, I I, I didn't just beat this guy. I whooped this man's ass, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go Rodrigo Nascimento here. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm considering a bet or not. I need to still, you know, look into it a little bit more, rewatch the first fight a couple times, and see what they've done since then. But based off the top of my head, I still think Rodrigo Nascimento is better than this man, and for that reason, I'm going to pick him.
1: Yeah, I-, I lean that way too. I don't have the best read on this fight. I haven't uh, finished my tape study, so I don't want to just, you know, start uh, giving the people bullshit. But I, I would tend to agree. I, I think Nascimento, like you said, uh, beat him the fuck up the first time. Uh, I got a couple of issues with, with this fight, especially laying juice on somebody like like Nasi Mento, like you said, uh, can be chinny at times. I think that's still a, a question mark. Rematches in general can can be weird. We've seen a lot of weird shooting rematches. Now, a lot of those times it's immediate rematches, right? You fight, you fight the guy, you turn right back around, fight the guy again. Um Yeah, no yeah. no two fights are alike. Yeah, exactly. So you know, I've heard that a lot this week, which scares me, too. Um, oh, I'm picking Nassim I'm laying minus 200 because he beat the fuck out of him the first time. That's not enough for me um, personally. So um, I-, I think you broke it down as well as it can be broke down right now with, with me on a show. Um, I got to uh, like you said, I got to do more tape study um, and and see if I maybe want to let it juice. I-, I don't see myself taking a plus money stab with, with somebody like like Dante Mays. But you never know. I got to finish the tape study. Uh, like you said, w- watch the first fight a couple more times. And see if I'm gonna lay lay a bet. I don't think so. I have a lot of action on this card already, and this is a fight where, like, you know, kind of like the uh, the Bonfim fight. I just maybe sit back, be entertained. But that's all I got. Lee Nascimento for the show. uh, But hopefully, I can give the people more of a a concise breakdown uh, later in the week.
0: Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got Kyle Bohio. He's 14 and one, taking on Abus Magomedov, who's 25 and five. Currently, they got it. Kyle Bohio minus 300. The comeback on Abus Magomedov was plus 250. So, is plus 250. So, about a week ago, Abus was plus 295. And I was looking at it like, listen, man, I know, I know he pulled a stunt against Strickland. And I think that part of that, obviously, credit to Strickland, currently the champ. But I think part of that was due to Abus was running through guys in a way where he kind of had that invincibility complex. He thought, oh, I touched these guys one time. They go down, you know, and I think he thought that, you know, because I don't know if you remember what Lewis Taylor did to him in PFL. (laughs) Lewis Taylor sent this man flying in 30 seconds for the million dollars and destroyed him in a way where if Abus never came back the same, no one would have held it against him. And he goes back to the regional scene, gets a couple finishes, and then makes that UFC debut, granted, against a soft opponent, but he treated that soft opponent. Like a soft opponent. So it, it looked like, hey man, maybe he was past, you know, what happened in the Lewis Taylor fight. Maybe this is looking like the guy who made his run in PFL, beat guys like sadibusi Granted, beat him at 85s, not at 70s, but just saying. So the thing is with Abus, you see a name like Magomedov, you think he's Russian. The guy's German, actually. And he's more of an explosive striker than he is a grappler. Don't get me wrong, he can grapple too. Uh, but He's kind of a, a balls to the wall, explosive, front kicks to the face, all kinds of crazy techniques, and wants to get guys out of there, wants to steamroll guys. The thing with Kyle Bohayo, he's very intelligent. Um, obviously his jujitsu game's on point. You know, you know who gave him his black belt, right? Damian Maya. One does not simply earn their black belt under Damian Maya, right? So off the bat, I mean, if this guy takes your back um chances are you might be in deep shit like even if he can't finish you like that armin petrosian fight he can still control you for the duration of the fight what i'm worried about with kyle maybe not necessarily in this fight but in fights down the line is if he can't sub you and then he starts to fatigue a little bit then he starts to flop to his back and then he starts to kind of butt scoop and do the whole bit you know like you look at that fight he had with uh murdov right and I actually bet Murdov in that spot. I think it was plus 180, plus 190. And I thought Murdov was pretty close to winning that fight. It's just what happened was Murdov's, for some reason, I don't know. Maybe you know why. I don't know why Murdov kept trying to shoot takedowns on Kyob Ohio. And he'd get the takedowns, but he'd get caught in this guillotine. And a Damian Maya Black Belt, you know they got a good squeeze. So the, the thing with the guillotine is when you get caught in it, you got two options. I mean, well, you got more than two options. But I'm just saying at this point, when the guillotine is locked in that tight and it's tap or nap it's basically the way to get out of it is to go to your back right so murdov had a he had a you know he got these nice takedowns but right into that guillotine the guillotine is so tight fuck! i don't want to tap out all right well i got to give up position and go to my back that cost him the rest of the fight right but I did feel like he showed some holes in, in Bohio's game. I think there's questions about his cardio. I think there's questions about his low output on the feet. He's kind of got a bit of a karate style, picks his shots nicely, but doesn't throw that often. When he does throw, he makes a count, and he has gone a lot better along the years. So I definitely think there's a lot to like about him, but I also think that, You know, people calling him a future champ or whatever the case may be. Let's slow our roll a little bit. Let's let him get some more experience. Let's see how he does as he rises up the ranks. Abus is kind of a wild card, in my opinion. seems like, from what I've seen, he can steamroll guys. He can look dynamic. He can look explosive. And I'm sure the fight against Strickland was a big wake-up call that, hey, we don't need to get guys out of there in 20 seconds. We can pace ourselves. That was a five-round fight, and he was – Fucking fighting like he was double parked in, fi- in front of a fire hydrant, man, that he had to get out of there right quick. Like, you know, uh so hopefully he's made some adjustments, but as of right now, I'm going to leave with Bohio, but I-, I don't have any interest in laying this price. uh and Like I said, when Abus was plus 295, I was thinking, fuck, I might just take a stab on him because I don't think he's that bad. And I don't think the Strickland fight was indicative of what this guy's capable of. I think on his best day, he can have some really shining moments. Um, I just don't know what to expect. And and Kyle's been very consistent. So for that reason, I'm going to pick him to win this fight.
1: Yeah, I'd lean with you as well. Um, you know, I feel kind of differently about the Strickland fight. I think, um, you know, obviously, like like I said, I don't want to disrespect Strickland. Uh, Strickland is, is a, a beast to deal with that pressure. Um, and we saw it, right? He's wearing a strap now based, based on that pressure and based on, you know, how he's able to fight his fight. Um, but I can't get that shit out of my mind. Those uh, those images, you know, you put out there after absolutely steamrolling a, a guy in your, in your UFC debut. Um, you know, I can't I can't get those images out of my head. I, I, I didn't like the way he's taking shots. Um, even the first couple of shots that Strickland landed, Strickland ain't throw for like the first couple of minutes at all. Um, which yeah. is what He does. Um, he just wants to kind of wants to kind of see and and, uh, and download data uh, and still maintaining that pressure. Uh,
0: Peter Yan a little bit.
1: Yeah, right. So <laughs> first couple shots that that Strickland landed, um uh, Magomed was already uh you know, Abus was already kind of looking a little flaky which which I hate, which I absolutely hate. You're going to face absolute killers in this division um and that's not what I like to see and they absolutely just, you know, he had nothing at the start, you know, the start around 2 as soon as that bell rung, even on a stool in between rounds, he just looked defeated like he didn't want to be in there at all. Um, you know, in a main event spot against a top contender um i i hate that i absolutely hate that um so like you said it, it could have been a one-off it could just be a stunt or, or whatever you want to call it uh you know guy has a really really good record on paper i've heard guys you know point to that but you know in my mind and just in my humble opinion um it is an extremely padded record you look at some of his opponents early in his career um absolute cans right so respect right you got to be who's in front of you um uh, but absolute fucking cans so you know a step down from Strickland. Obviously, Strickland's wearing a strap now, so a step down from Strickland. But, you know, you mentioned a lot of the points that I had in my notes. Cal, uh, you know, at a great camp at Fighting Nerds. We see what they're doing on Dana White's Contender Series and in the UFC. Um, seems to be a, a great camp, a well-prepared well well prepared, well prepared camp, as the name would suggest. Um, and, yeah, Cal, really good on the ground, extremely good grappler. Um, I think he could put hands on that boost. I think he has uh, more past to victory, and it's, it's that simple for me now it's it's not about what i think it's about the price and are we going to make money on this fight and i find that kind of tough right i know some people are, are parlaying cow and uh I, i'm not a big fan of that um like you said cardio is it, still a, a slight question mark for me um based on i can only go off what i've seen from a boost so he may have you know what do you call it then you know Garden of life, fruits and vegetables, right? He may have tapped into that supply (laughs) somewhere along the line, but I can only go off what I see. And what I saw is, horror. I saw him go, what, 20 seconds, 25 seconds in his UFC debut, and I saw him absolutely die against Sean Strickland. So, um, you know, I think the gas tank is, is an even bigger question mark for Abu's um that's tough bro that can that can alter your career um in one way or the other right a performance like sean strickland it can motivate you and you can bounce back from those kind of performances or that shit can you know create a lot of emotions create a lot of doubt and and affect you know maybe he's more hesitant coming in which which is not his style at all right he wants to be aggressive he wants to get in your face and he wants to land strikes and he wants to try to put you out so if all of a sudden he comes in there he's not as aggressive and he's not you know pumping his game plan. That's a major concern for me. So that's why I can't take a plus money shot on a boost, but I don't, you know, at minus 300, I don't know how comfortable I feel about that. So, you know, there's some chalky spots on this card. Um, some of them, I don't mind diving into at all and parlaying them or or doing whatever, but spots like these I'm just not comfortable with. So for the show, I'm going to pick cow. I think he wins. Um, I think he is very live to finish his fight again, solely based on what I've seen on a, from a boost even in his in his in some of his regional spots, the way he's taking shots um, from lower level guys that aren't going to carry the same power as Cal um, is very, very concerning. So um, too many question marks on both sides for me. I think Cal gets it done. I want to see him get it done. I want to see him get it done impressively. Um, you know, hopefully that won't lead to even more chalk in his next fight, but we'll see. Um, I had the same sentiments as you. I saw earlier in the week, uh, you know, Abus was plus 300 i saw some smart people on them so i'm like all right let me watch the tape again and uh and see if i can get there because who doesn't love a plus 300 uh shot but I, I just can't do it personally so yeah picking Kyle for the show uh but i think a, a very volatile fight i think a lot of question marks and i think a lot of those will be answered in this fight that we can use uh, next time we're taping these guys
0: next up in the middleweight division we got Hodolfo vieira he's nine and two taking on armin Petrosian, who's eight and two currently they got it Hodolfo vieira wow so it's a pick them i mean it's it just depends where you look some spots got a slight lean on petrosian some spots got a slight lean on hodolfo it just depends where you look but bottom line uh the books want you to uh lay juice on both sides so smart of them because i mean this is the most binary fight black and white fight on the entire card like and i know we've said that about other fights and you know there's still four ounce gloves and whatnot and you know i said there's no chance. uh, we can write off the possibility of Yuri prohaska choking out Glover and then he <laughs> chokes out Glover right you now so like we, i've said many things along the way or right? i can write off the possibility of some you know grappler with no hands knocking out some striker and then i've seen that happen too so it's Anything can happen, but we know exactly what both these guys want to do. We know Hodolfo wants to take him down, submit him. We know Petrosian wants to keep the standing and get off on that volume because he's got fantastic volume. Um, the thing about Petrosian and not the best at stuffing the takedowns, but he's good at defending submissions and. He's good at extending fights. So my thing about Hodolfo, and I mean this with all due respect possible, I don't really think he's that much of a fighter. I just think that he's a physical freak and I think he's a world champion jujitsu guy, which I mean, I respect the fuck out of. I think you if you're putting on the gi with Adolfo Vieira, you're in deep shit. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And if you're not, you know, if you're a novice on the mat and you can't defend submissions in the UFC, he's going to take advantage of that too. Um, my thing is that Adolfo, you know, with him, when I say he's not a fighter, I, He's still in the ufc he still won fights in the ufc so i don't want it to sound like i'm disrespecting someone like him but what i'm trying to say is that if he can't get his game going i do think he will check out i do think he will gas out and i do think he'll get picked apart and i think there's instances in this fight where he can take down Armin petrosian for that first round take his back possibly choke him out and that could be the fight or petrosian can survive and then from there Hodolfo starts to huff and puff he starts to shoot from a mile out all of a sudden the takedowns are getting stuffed and he's getting lit up on the feet. So I see that scenario as well. So it's just about what do you favor? Do you favor Hadolfo coming out here, steamroll him real quick on the mat, tap him out? Or do you think Petrosian survived this early storm and fucking pick him apart with the kickboxing in rounds two and three? So I don't really know Um, because I can see it going either way because it's like I've seen Armin give up lots of top control to real guys. uh Kyle Bohaya gregory hobo cop right but like none of those guys submitted him and those guys are good black belts now granted now we're talking about the black belt hunter is black belt killer or black belt hunter you know who i'm talking about Hodolfo, right the guy that's known for destroying the best black belts in the world so maybe when he gets him down what kayo and hobo cop weren't able to do maybe uh you know Hodolfo Vieira can do and actually submit armin petrosian but I just kind of see it as he expends a shit ton of energy in that first round. And if, big if, but if Petrosian can survive, get me to that second round, that's where you might see Hodolfo start to shoot from a mile out. That's where you might just see Hodolfo flop to his back, start to see that fatigue. And then Armand Petrosian's got gas tank for days. He's got volume for days as well. When you look at his numbers, I'll pull them up right now. Um, this is a guy that's gone out there and has put up the kind of numbers that we like to see point in case look at this fight with hobo cop 127 significant strikes landed and that's in a fight where he was taken down twice and he had two submission attempts against him in his fight uh with kyle bohio kyle took him down four times and while armin didn't win that fight he didn't get submitted by a damian maya black belt so there's a lot to like about him the aj dobson fight he landed 118 significant strikes and that's a fight where he also got taken down three times so He's shown that he's able to survive these bad spots, land a shit ton of volume. Um, and if he can do the same thing here, I think he's going to win this fight. It's just about, is Hodolfo going to submit him, you know, just insta-sub him or not? Um, because he is that good. He is that capable. And it doesn't matter how good your defense is. when I, If Hodolfo gets under that neck, I mean, it's game, set, and match. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, there's concerns. But I think that, hey, Armin, like let's just fucking survive this first round and then we pick this man apart of the next two. So I'm gonna go uh, Armin.
1: Yeah, great, great breakdown, my brother. I I percent agree with with everything you just said. Um, I think you made a great point at the beginning. Um, world-class grappler, um, Rodolfo is, uh, but I, I think that's more of the realm. I don't see him as a complete mixed martial artist, you know, in a UFC. So I think that was a great point. Um, at a pick and price, that's stuff that I or even plus money on the Armin side, there's stuff that I absolutely love. And one one of them you mentioned, um, which is the, the submission defense. Now th- this is a step up, like you also said, versus guys that he's been in bad positions uh, against before. Uh, but his get up game is elite too, right? He does not settle on his back. He wants to get the fuck up and and, and get back to where he's best, which is which is with the hands. So um, those two things and, and the cardio. So three things. Those three things um, make me more than happy to to take a plus money shot or, or a pick'em shot. With Armin. Um, I, I can't uh, you know, it, it's one thing if you were laying juice or whatever the case was, but at a pick and price, you know, uh like you said, I, I truly believe as well that as round one of bust. Um, I think Armin can have success in round one as well, right? It, it, whether Rodolfo gets the first takedown or not, let's say he does get the first takedown, I think Armin can get back up um and, and start piecing them up, piecing them up on a feet and more and more with these judges, like we've seen for better or for worse is just what it is. And we as betters have to adapt to that as well. Um, They're going to favor damage over control or damage, damage over top control without much damage uh, from top. So, you know, if if Rodolfo could take him down, you know, two minutes into the fight and control him, Yeah. He's going to win the first round, but if army can get up and land some damage, I think he can maybe steal round one. And then I have major concerns from Rodolfo, from Rodolfo on the Rodolfo side, excuse me. um, After round one, cardio is a major question mark. Like you said, um, Armin's gas tank, I trust. Rodolfo's, I don't, which is enough for me. If, if that's all the info you gave me, that's enough for me to take, you know, plus 100 shot on, on, on the guy with cardio, but so many other advantages. So I, I agree with you right now, hundred percent. I think as this fight goes along, uh, you know, uh, middle round two, round three, I think Armin can finish this fight. I really do. Um, Armin has, you know, bricks for hands. We just saw him, you know, Christian Leroy Duncan, uh, uh, one of the you know, fastest rising prospects. That man has so much hype around him and he took his O. And I think even at 32 years old, I think Armand is still developing, which, which I love to see. I think his takedown defense is getting better. Um, you know, still what is it, a 30, 32 percent takedown defense, which is terrible. Uh, but like I said, even at 32, I think it's getting better, which is all you can really ask for at that age. So yeah, I think we see a complete performance from Armand. Um, I think Armand is is extremely dangerous, right? Obviously. Six knockouts and nine wins, Um, you know, been a decisionator as of late, uh, but I think he's live, right? Uh, You know, exhaustion, you know, makes cowards of us all. You know, even elite, world-class, you know, BJJ practitioners, um, when you get exhausted, you know, you're liable to make mistakes. So um, I I think Rodolfo makes those mistakes um, as the fight goes along. I think Armand can survive and, like I said, even has success in round one. And I think he absolutely takes over as this fight goes along. So 100% agree with you. Um, I'm, I'm going to bet Armin. I'm, I'm probably going to bet him f- fairly big. Um, I really, really like him in this spot.
0: Only thing I want to say regarding your argument
1: about how judges are favoring damage over control lately, which
0: is true. I mean, it's not, you know, I'm not debating that. But what I do want to say is this is not Brazil. And are the judges more likely to give Rodolfo a 10-8 in that first round? Like, that, that, that I'm kind of curious about, right? Like, if he just takes his back for the whole first round but doesn't do any damage, but, you know, we're in Brazil. The crowd's going crazy. He might land a little rabbit punch, you know? Like, is that enough to get a 10-8 in Brazil uh, for the Brazilian fighter? You know what I'm saying? So that's my concern, but, I mean, that's... There, we always have concerns about certain things. Yep. I just had to bring that up because you brought up the judges, which you brought up a great point. In Vegas, I'm more... I'm more comfortable. Just in Brazil, I'm just worried about them, you know, giving some, you know, uh, lenient 10-8s.
1: Yeah, 100%. And Brazil are not, uh, judges have been a lot more lenient in handing out 10-8 rounds, right? I asked Alexa Grasso about that. So, yeah, uh, legitimate concern with with a lot of these fights, right? Brazilians going against non Brazilians, 100%, 100% uh, justified and understandable
0: now next up in the lightweight division we got ishmael bonfim he's 19 and 4 taking on vince Pachel, who is 14 and 3. currently they got it ishmael bonfim minus 4.65 the comeback on vince Pachel is plus 365. so shout out to vince pachelle man this is a guy i've been watching for years you know he's i mean for years i mean the guy's 40 years old now and i remember watching him on the ultimate fighter uh tough 15 also known as tough live which to this day to quote deontay wilder to this day i think is the best uh season of the ultimate fighter ever because it was live i think you could even like bet on it and it was the season with kiesa james vick miles jury ally kenta drew dober like john tuck a bunch of people that ended up making it to the usc and doing their thing um Well, what Vince was known for is the same thing he's still known for now like it doesn't look the prettiest but he's got this like grown man strength about him when he gets on top of guys he's got serious top control he's able to overcome adversity early in fights and and take over late so you love those qualities it's just that you know my boy is turning 41 in less than a month you understand what i'm saying and it's not and and he says that he feels the best he ever has which i believe him i'm sure he does feel the best he ever has it's just feeling the best you ever have in your everyday life is different than feeling the best you ever had inside the ufc's octagon against a young killer and ismail Bonfim, who's not 40 years, years old who's 27 Years old, who's just entering his prime right now, and at some point, you know, while you might be performing in the gym how you want to be, it's just you might just be a, just a step behind, a millisecond by Like you heard uh, Jorge Masvidal talking about it, how like look, I can still compete with some of these guys, but at the top level, I just feel a millisecond behind where I used to be, and that kind of stuff counts for a lot. That's when you start losing the guys that you would have once beat, and, and I think that. Ismael Bonfim, you know, obviously the last fight didn't go his way against Benoit saint who turns out to be a physical fucking freak, that guy. But let me say this. I think that Bonfim, I think there's a big difference in volume here on the feet. I think that every time he lands a shot, the crowd is going to be going crazy. And I really only see Vince Pachel's path to victory here as extended top control. I think that's the only way he can win this fight. aside from that man I I think that he's gonna be getting lit up and I think his takedowns are gonna get stuffed and I think we might finally start to see Vince at almost 41 years old hey shout shout out to him because like at 36 he was performing admirably you know like I got so much respect for from hell Pachel and all the tough 15 guys best season of tough but I'm going with uh the young stud here man to bounce back get back on track show off that nice boxing for MMA and uh maybe be the first guy. I say first guy. I know who's Rustam Habilov, you know, slam KO'd him, and I know uh Gregor Gillespie arm triangle choked him, but no one's actually like knocked him out like standing, right? Like I think there's a chance Ismail could be the first because man, like all of a sudden the the bottom drops out from under you when you're 40, when you're 40, 41 years old. Um, I'm going Ismail Bonfim here.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think you made a really good point, right? Uh, um, if you're a millisecond behind because you're 41 years old, that that's all the difference when when you when you know you're in your underwear in a cage fighting another grown man. A millisecond, a lot of lot of shit can happen in a millisecond. Um, you're a millisecond slow trying to defend or parry a shot, and then you're looking up at the lights wondering what the fuck happened. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest storyline in this fight. Uh, the age gap. Uh, Bonfim is way has way more pro experience, yet he's. What almost 14 years younger, which is a big red flag for me. Um, and the inactivity for Pichelle is what I don't like. So, um, not only is he old, he, he's old, he hasn't been as as active as nearly as active as Bonfim or a lot of other guys in the division, which is very, very worrisome. Um, you know, Bonfim lightning on the feet, uh, really, really dangerous hands. Like you said, I expect him to suffer the takedowns as well. I think he can win this fight however he wants. Uh, like you said as well, I think he's live to finish his fight. Even though Vince uh, Piché has has shown to be uh, very tough, uh, you know, it's very rare you step in the octagon with with Pachelle and and it's an easy fight. It's a walkthrough. Um, it's a highlight reel. Very very rarely. Um, so I think this is another good test for Bonfim. I think both of the Bonfim brothers are getting good tests Uh, on Saturday. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not much to say for me. Not much more new I can add. Um, I think Bonfim wins this fight. Um he could justify minus 500. You know, I, I see a scenario where that happens, but, uh, Pachelle can also, also make this shit dirty and make it look a lot closer to minus 500. So, um, i am mm, I'm more willing to, to put Bonfim in a parlay, uh, to, to put this Bonfim brother in a parlay than the other one. Um, uh, but still, you know, minus 500 is very, very steep. Um, I want you, if I'm laying minus 500, whether it's straight on a parlay, I want you to, finish this guy in the first round and uh you know it could happen but I, I don't think it's the by far the most likely thing to happen so um I think this fight can go to decision you know bonfim can win 30 27 30 26 even um I think he absolutely pieces him up on a, on on the floor he's gonna be uh, on a feet I'm sorry he's gonna be much more athletic much stronger much more powerful um and I think that's enough for him to win this fight so another absolutely chalky fight um you know haven't decided what I'm gonna do but for the show uh bonfim wins whatever he wants
0: now next up we got an 165 pound catchweight between elvis brenner he's 15 and 3 welcoming newcomer and contender series winner um Nan Kr- um kruchevsky kruchevsky he's 15 mm. and 1 real quick before i read the lines a Brazilian dude named Kruchevsky. Can someone let me know his family tree? Is this guy uh, secretly Russian or Polish or something like that? Because I don't know about too many Brazilians named Kruchevsky. You know what I'm saying? So y'all let me know what this guy's uh, background truly is. But currently, they got it. Elvis Brenner, minus 162. And the comeback on Kruch- uh, Kruchevsky is plus 142. Um. You want to take this one first? Did you get a chance to look into Khrushchevsky by chance?
1: Yeah, I'll be quick. Um, you know, obviously, I've, I've w- watched both of these guys fight, but I, I've done no tape um, on this fight. Obviously, it just got announced yesterday, um, so I got to do I got to do tape tape study. I lean Brenner, um, but I like what Kruchevsky brings to the table. But I'm not like I said, I'm not going to give the people any bullshit or any you know off the whim shit. So I'll let you break this down. I'm sure I'm sure you got something for the people, but you know I'll let the people know what I'm thinking later in the week. But uh, yeah, I, I gotta I gotta tape this fight.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, Khrushchevsky looked fantastic on contender series a couple months ago, got an easy first round rear naked choke, put the guy to sleep. He's got a plethora of finishes, nine wins by knockout, four wins by, excuse me, four wins by KO, nine wins by submission. His record officially on decisions is undefeated at 2-0, but if you look a little closer, he fought Damian Lapoulos in a five-round fight, and Damian won the decision, but... He failed his anti-doping test in Aries FC. So if you're popping in a promotion like Aries FC, where did that take place? In France, then he must have been. I mean, he must have been harvesting the garden of life fruits and vegetables, man. I mean, he must have been taking the kind of Flintstone vitamins that when he pissed into his cup, like he burned a hole in the floor. You know what I'm saying? So that being said, um, I like this kid's ground game. I like his aggression. I like the fact that he's been to the fifth round in. in multiple fights so he's an experienced guy that deserves this opportunity but it begs the question what kind of shape was he in getting the call uh today's wednesday got fucking got the call on on monday or tuesday you know when ribovics uh, had to pull out and man i actually liked ribovics at dog odds in that fight but we can, that's neither here nor there if they rebook it we'll break that down now it just comes down to this here's my thing with elvis brenner as far as skills are concerned i like it I mean, the guy can strike, the guy can grapple, the guy is tough beyond belief, comes from shoot the box. So, you know, he's a killer be killed type fighter. So, when I say killer be killed type fighter, that means that although he's going to be giving it, he's going to be taking it too. And he can take it too, but to what extent? You know, I know he almost got knocked out of his last fight by Guram, but you got to understand that it's not because. Elvis is chinny or Elvis is suspect here, whatever there. It's more so, again, you fight with that balls to the wall, life and death style, and you're going to leave openings, period, point blank. That's just that's just how it goes. That's the trade off with that style. The great part about that style is when you win fights, I mean, you're going to be one of these legendary blood and guts fighters. We're going to talk about Zaleski coming up here in a minute. All the other shoot-the-box guys, like win, lose, or draw. these are the kind of guys the fans want to see fight. Um, And, yeah, Elvis Brenner, do I think he should be favored? Look, I think Elvis Brenner has a good case to win the 2023 UFC Rookie of the Year. To come into the UFC, you know, out of nowhere, and, you know, you had just lost two fights on the regionals, um... And, you know, you bounce back twice and then you get to the UFC. Hey, you're fighting Zubera to Kugov all of a sudden, you know, Zubera post USADA, but still Zubera to Kugov. And then you're fighting Guram, who, listen, a lot of people viewed Guram like people were saying that Guram was the next this, the next that, you know, just because he got, you know, he beat Gamrod and he trains with Hamza Chimaev. Hey, you combine those two things, you beat Gamrod, you train with Hamza, people are going to hype you up. That's just how this shit works, right? People love to run with narratives although i might personally think that guram wasn't as good as everyone else hyped him up to be you know i didn't personally think that he was that future top 10 guy i still think he's a solid out and elvis overcame adversity listen elvis can bang elvis has a nice um kind of like a body lock to outside trip takedown on on the ground he can scramble he can go for submissions he can do it all he's a well-rounded fighter i guess where i have the issue is he's not the most athletic guy in the world and obviously with that killer be killed style someone is going to catch him at some point it's interesting that in 18 professional fights he's never been finished even once and that's credit to his toughness it's credit to his durability to his heart but one of these days so one of these guys is going to put him out and that's just the, the bottom line i thought ribavix had a good chance of doing that possibly uh kruchevsky does but You know, based on the short notice, I I do have to go with Elvis. You know, and this is Elvis's hometown. Take that for what it's worth. But when you get an experienced guy like Kruchevsky, who's fifteen and one, who's who's been there, who's you know fought tough competition, you know, been through the ups and downs, he's lost fights, he's won fights. Like, this is not a guy who needs more seasoning on the regional scene. This is not a guy who, hey, get a couple more wins and we'll give you a call, buddy. You know, this is a guy that, like, hey. You're ready for the UFC right now. It's just you got the call on Tuesday of fight week. Are you ready for this opportunity? That's the big question. But we've seen short notice replacements come in there and get big upsets. Alex Hernandez against Benil Dariush comes to mind. He got the call like, what, a week in advance, you know? So I've seen all kinds of crazy shit happen before in the sport. So it would not surprise me due to the way Elvis fights, if this newcomer can come out here and get the upset. But I am gonna go with Elvis just being more well prepared. Um, and he's been, you know, training for this fight, and he is a skilled individual. It's just the thing is when you're laying chalk on him, you know, this is a guy who was a massive underdog his last two fights for a good reason because he gets hurt in a majority of his fights. You cannot be surprised if this is a bit of a letdown spot. If this is you just can't be you just can't act surprised. But I will go with Elvis Brenner here. Um, and uh let's see like win lose or draw this is going to be a fucking exciting fight so let's just leave it at that like definitely tune in for this one you got anything else you want to pick a side
1: no yeah i I lean brenner i agree i think this is going to be a a very very exciting fight i lean brenner um i I might get to a bet i want to see where the line goes obviously just open up so i want to see kind of where the steam goes but yeah i'll take the fight and then for the show I'll, I'll pick brenner but yeah that, that's as good of a breakdown as you'll get from my man dan so
0: so next up in the bantamweight division we got peru's own daniel daniel marcos he's 15 and 0 taking on victor hugo who's 24 and 4 like hey coming into the ufc with 28 fights under your belt and making your your debut like this is, your, this is about to be your 29th pro fight like hey like that's some pretty damn good experience you know you can criticize the competition he's fought all you want but the fact that this guy put in 28 fights before he got here. I respect it, man, because you nowadays you see guys coming in 6-0, 5-0, and they just have no business being here. This guy's paid his dues. So welcome to the UFC, Victor Hugo. Currently, they got it. Daniel Marcos, minus 240. The comeback on Victor Hugo is plus 205. I love this kid, Daniel Marcos. I think he's one of the best prospects um, in, this, in the Bantamweight division and i got a bone to pick with people saying that that last fight with this was this massive robbery i know i'm like the only guy that actually scored that fight for daniel marcos against davy grant and i'll i'll tell you exactly why this is one that i will not change my stance on doesn't matter if i get a hundred comments telling me i'm wrong that i don't know what i'm watching or this or that let me tell you why i scored that fight for daniel marcos but before i do that let me say this when you've never fought anybody before and in your second UFC fight, you're fighting Davy Grant in England. I mean, Davy Grant not, uh, beat Cheeto Vera, Davy Grant knocked out Jonathan Martinez, Davy Grant went to a split decision with Adrian is Like, Davy Grant is as season of a vet as they come, okay? So you've never fought anybody before, right? And you've been handling all these cans accordingly. Hey, here's Davy Grant in england in your second ufc fight and now let's talk about that fight what i saw in that fight okay davy grant's got that awkward style where he he wings boy he fucking goes out there and throws bungalows but the thing is marcos is defensively sound i felt like most of those shots were either hitting air hitting glove hitting shoulder or, or just straight up missing and I look at the stats and the stats say that Davy Grant doubled up Marcos on strikes. And I think that this is one of those situations where I disagree with the counters. I will straight up say the counters need to go back, take a close look at what actually happened in that fight. Cause what actually happened from my perspective was Daniel Marcos was getting off on that jab and he was fucking busting up Davy Grant's face. But that jab is so damn clean that maybe you know, was Bisbing commentating that fight? Maybe Bisbing didn't, you know, maybe maybe the commentators weren't, you know, putting any emphasis on what was happening. And it kind of swayed people's views because Davy Grant goes in there swinging huge bombs. So everyone's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. But all those huge bombs were missing. Meanwhile, Daniel Marcos is circling on the outside. Pop, pop, pop. Busting this guy's face up like completely leaving him a bloody mess. Look, go watch that fight. Daniel Marco's jab is disgusting, man. And sometimes with those clean str- uh, strikes that go straight down the pipe, you know, it's not uh, an extravagant loopy hook where, you know, you got this big reaction, but it's just touch, touch, touch. That's what he was doing. And he mixes up his low kicks really, really nicely. I felt like he was controlling that fight the entire time. I know that's a hot take, but I'm I'm not backing down from my stance. I watched it again the other night, and I still think the same thing. And I'm not one of these guys that bet either side on that fight. So everyone that bet Davy Grant is butthurt. But even when I lose a bet, I can admit that, hey, man, my, my guy lost fair and square. Like, you know, so to me, like, put your ego aside you know, maybe turn the commentary off and watch Daniel Marcos put on a jab clinic against Davy Grant. But anyways, I digress. What I like about Marcos is I think that he's probably the best Peruvian prospect in the UFC right now. Peru was once known as a laughingstock in MMA. You had, um, what's the name of the kid that, um, That Mowgli Benitez just fucking destroyed in under a minute. Humberto Bandinay. You had these guys, Jesus Pinedo, who now is doing his thing in PFL, but when he was in the UFC, just wasn't quite up to par. You know, the only guy that was really waving the torch for peru was enrique barzola but people didn't like watching his style so they they cut him whereas marcos is an exciting fighter so marcos might be the guy now we got this kid kevin borjas coming up there was one other kid on contender series that's peruvian that's a badass so i'm excited to see what this peruvian scene has been doing but what i like about marcos is he's intelligent he fights smart good takedown defense good get up game nasty jab low kicks like and, and he's tough too. Like he's not, he's not, it's not just a you know a pretty style. He he he's also a dog too, and when he starts to get his momentum going, he starts to find his range. He starts to backing starts backing you up into that fence. He will let off on some big combos. He will mix it up to the body. He will get mean in there. I really like this kid. The thing with Victor Hugo, you have to respect him with his experience and he's got a very unique skill set. He's a specialist. This guy has nine wins by submission, and a majority of them are knee bars, heel hooks, stuff like that. So you know when guys are going for those kind of submissions, listen, it can go from zero to 100 fast. You could get your ACL torn, but we also know about leg lock guys. When they can't get their leg lock, they tend to fold in fights. On the feet, Victor Hugo throws a lot of spinning shit, which, hey, if it lands... You could see a Zaleski versus Sean Strickland outcome, a Vitor Belfort versus Luke Rockhold outcome. But if it doesn't land, that kind of shit takes a lot of energy, just like rolling for leg locks does. And I truly believe if Marcos doesn't get caught with some shit early on, whether it's a spin kick or a heel hook, bro, the pace he's going to push on this guy, I think he's going to get Victor Hugo backing into the fence. Victor's hands are going to start to drop. Victor's going to start trying to run away a little bit and that's when the pressure is going to come and that's when i think marcos is going to get a second or third round tko so i like daniel marcos here i think he's the best peruvian prospect on the roster and i
1: think he's a future top 15 guy damn you got me fucking hype right now yeah i i agree i agree i want to disagree so bad i hope i hope we disagree at some point on this card but i agree i think i think it was a great fucking breakdown. Um. I might be crazy, but you know, a guy that I bet on a couple of weeks ago, uh, Chris Gutierrez, right? I bet on him against Alatang Haley, and he cashed that ticket. I see some similarities between him and Marcos. Uh Marcos is a little bit more forward pressure, uh, but I think the like you meant, like you mentioned, the, the leg kicks, um uh the movement, I think it's similar to, to a guy like Chris Gutierrez. Um I think from similar parts of the world too, I might be mistaken, but yeah, um, you know the Davy Grant fight. You talked at length about that, and that's an interesting fight. Um, I watched that fight a couple of times because I was trying to score it. You know, after re-watching it too, and um close fight out of the way, I'm I'm not mad at just stance that um that uh Marcos won that fight. Uh, just a really really close fight, a, a really tough situation being in England, fighting Davy Grant, and, and Davy Grant does that to a lot of people. Um, you know, his awkward style makes a lot of people hesitant. Um, you know, he fights close with everybody, even if it's he's outmatched skill-wise, like in my opinion, he was against uh, Marcos. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's just what, what David Grant does. Uh, David Grant is in close fights. He makes you kind of fight his fight, um, and, and that works in his favor a lot. Uh, but yeah, Daniel Marcos, I think it was an amazing breakdown. I think he's super, super dangerous with the hands. Um, I, I think that the jab, right, I, you broke it down perfectly. The nasty jab, super long jab and he pumps it out there a lot right he doesn't abandon a jab which a lot of guys do um and those are the two weapons right the calf kick and the and the uh and the jab I, I think it's perfect to to keep a guy uh like hugo away from you a guy that wants to get on your hips a guy that wants to take you down i think that those are good great tools to kind of keep him off of you so yeah you know a guy i know you're laying juice on marcos you know minus 200 or around that territory but i think he can look that plus some um like you said i think he can take over this fight the later it goes uh, victor hugo i think is, is round one sub a bust and i know that may be a little controversial because he just got a round two sub on the uh on a contender series uh but the the gas tank is a major major question mark for me i've seen it way too many times um you know in the in the fights where i'm forgetting the names but in the fights where he is extended um you know on the regionals he fought the the kamai fight right um went to decision and he looked gas even in the middle of round two in that fight. So. Um, you know, the, the gas tank is a major question mark. And like you said, somebody like Marcos, who's going to get better as the fight goes along, who's going to get stronger, who's going to put that pressure on you as the fight goes along. That is not what you want at all. That's the worst possible thing is to have a questionable gas tank. So, uh, Victor is way too wild with the hands on the feet, um, kind of uses his striking to close distance. You know, we all know what, what he wants to do. Like I said, he wants to take it down and he wants to submit you, um, in any way that, what, that he can. Um, and that shit takes a lot of energy. So, you know, we saw, I think similar stylistic matchup too is the, the Simon Oliveira fight, right? Simon Oliveira wants to do the same thing. He wants to take you down and he wants to sub you, right? 11, 11 uh submission wins, submission wins and 18 pro wins. And you know, Marcos was able to defend takedowns and he was able to knock his ass out um later in the fight. And I think this fight can play out super similarly to that fight. So um, like you said, Marcos take that. I think the take the elite takedown defense, the jab, the calf kick, and the movement, I think are all the tools necessary to completely stifle a guy like hugo so you know if marcos does find it find himself on his back i trust his get up game I, I trust his grit he he got that fucking dog in him and sometimes that's all you need so um you brought up a great point too. these leg lock guys um you know it's amazing when it works it's amazing when it's on contender series and, and it gets you a contract and you know you're able to, to accomplish one of your lifelong dreams it's amazing when that shit happens it's amazing when a guy taps but you know when he doesn't tap you put yourself in in very compromised positions Uh, we've seen guys just get straight pounded out posts um when going for leg locks and just kind of you know your head is out there and guys are, are spinning and dropping hammer fists right on your fucking forehead so yeah i just don't like that i think hugo is going to get some wins in the ufc um i think he's a very exciting prospect like you said a lot of experience um how old is this fucking guy Um, where is he go. 30. Yeah, 30 yeah 30 years old so you know, got some good years left, some prime years left. I think he's going to get some UFC wins. I don't think it's against Daniel Marcos. So I don't, I'm going to bet Daniel Marcos. I think he's going to justify laying a juice. And this is a guy that I don't mind laying a juice on. Um, I think he's allowed to finish his fight. Rounds two, rounds three, I, I'm going to poke on those props. Uh, probably some knockout props, round two, round three, uh, and lay the money line. Um, I really, really like Marcos in his spot. Uh, one of my favorite spots on the card.
0: Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got Elizu Capoeira Zaleski Dos Santos. He's twenty-four and seven, taking on Renat Fakradinov, who's twenty-two and two. Currently, they got it. Renat Fakradinov minus three fifty. The comeback on Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos is plus two eighty-five. Well, shout out to Zaleski. I mean, hardcore fans can consider this guy one of like the violence, like legends, man. Like this guy has just been around the ufc for a hot minute since 2015 consistently putting on the kinds of fights that we want to see man um i mean you already know about his insane kicks i mean that spinning kick he had against strickland back in the day the absolute ass whooping he put on benoit santanis when he fought curtis milliner and he was like a plus 100 a plus 105 dog and he just take one takedown the fight was over shortly after the war with max griffin the war with lyman good the comeback knockout win over omari Medov. it's funny i say that because speaking of omari Medov and abubakar uh zaleski's got a good history uh, against russians but my, my thing here is that and i say this with the ultimate amount of respect possible because zaleski is one of my favorite fighters but Zaleski's 36 years old he's going to turn 37 next week and he's also was coming off a usada suspension going to that abubakar fight and i don't think that fight wasn't about what Zale, what uh zaleski did right that fight was about what abubakar did wrong abubakar comes out rocks him right off the bat and he pulled like a Sodiq yusuf where like you hurt the guy and then like you stop fighting um, is very frustrated. That's one of my, that's one of the ways of losing a bet that like bothers me and hurts my feelings the most when like your guy is like, you rock him. In Sodique's case, he almost fucking killed Barbosa. I was like, I was like, oh, d- d- yeah, this is perfect. Like easy money. And then all of a sudden stops fighting. And Abubakar, I bet him in the spot against e- Elysio, you know, coming off the USADA suspension, rocks him hard with that first punch. It's looking like, oh man, this is about to go our way easy stops fighting and then zaleski you know when you throw two strikes and your opponent throws zero strikes uh the guy with two strikes is gonna win that's that's just the bottom line i know that's an exaggeration but you get my point um whereas here i don't understand people's obsession with wanting to fade renat Fakardinov. the guy's a 22 and 2 russian stud killer and it's like with mma twitter it's like they want to fade guys like this but they want to bet on the jake colliers and the jared Vandera. so that kind of shit will never make sense to me but what i do want to say is when you want to talk about beautiful numbers when you want to shed a tear listen to this renat fakardinov he's had uh, 30 minutes and 55 seconds of octagon time guess how many strikes he absorbs per minute in that sample of over 30 minutes less than one strike per minute like do you have do you have a kleenex man because i want to shed a tear on how beautiful that is 67 percent striking accuracy the guy lands and that, that thank you brother thank you i appreciate you and that and that and that we're just talking about you know what happens you know how how, how does he absorb strikes barely absorb shit and then on the mat, guy averages over five takedowns per 15 minutes. He's got 63% takedown accuracy, 100% takedown defense. Like, why are people, like, rushing to fade this guy? Like, and why are y'all, like, champing at the bit to bet these fucking bums? Like, you know, Jared Vandera. Like, I just, I, it'll never make sense to me. Uh, Someone, you know, I'm not trying to be condescending. It's just something I've noticed. I think Renat is like how many fights does he have in the ufc three fights for a three and oh guy a three and O prospect like nick this has to be like the best three and oh prospect on the roster right like can you name me a better three and oh prospect on the roster right now and like when you talk about these performances i've already mentioned the stats in terms of how he doesn't get hit he lands a million takedowns like against brian battle he landed seven takedowns and, if, and th- that's enough for me to just say hey he landed seven takedowns. Fucking awesome. That's all I need to hear. But he also lands a knockdown in that fight, too. Against uh, Mikalitas, which was his UFC debut. And I know Mikalitas, you know, might might not have the best reputation. Hey, Mikalitas took a round clean off Alex Pereira. Don't forget that. But he uh, took down Mikalitas five times, no problem, and uh, tripled him up on strikes. Against Kevin Lee, I mean, you know... <laughs> i mean one beautiful shot drops him and and the thing with kevin lee is usually kevin lee has like a strong first round usually like with kevin lee you know you got that strong first round and then he slows down you take over from there this dude just got him out of there quickly in under a minute like it was nothing he knocked him out and choked him out in the same fight so i like everything about this guy for a three and oh guy in the ufc i mean Uh, I think he's probably the best three and oh guy on the roster. And Zaleski, like I told y'all, he's a legend, man. The spin kicks, not only that. On the mat, one thing I like that he does is when people take him down, he'll use, like, knee bars as sweeps to get back up, and this guy is live throughout the entire fight. You look at that fight against Omari Akmedov, where he lost the first two rounds, comes back and finishes him in that third round, man, and and he, even in some of these losses, like the Muslim Salikov fight, you know, I said no guy named Muslims losing a judge's decision in Abu Dhabi, and, of course, he didn't, but a lot of people thought Zaleski might have won that fight. You know what I'm saying, man? And, uh... I think Zaleski's the man. It's just that right now you're running into wrong place, wrong time, man. I think Renat is, you know, the next guy that's going to enter the top fifteen if he's not in there already, man. Three and you0 in the UFC, you're putting up these kind of numbers. Hey, man, <laughs> this guy's the real deal, man. So I'm going Renat here, and I think he makes a statement.
1: Yeah, I, I agree again, my brother. I'm still waiting for that, uh, that that clash of, of minds, but um, yeah um I, i'm guilty of that shit too i, I slept on Renat his, his last time out um i bet on kevin lee like a fucking dumbass As soon as kevin lee came out with the double knee brace I knew I, was, <laughs> I knew I was fucked i was i remember exactly where i was at watching all 30 seconds of that fight and i would never live that shit down but yeah w- once that happened i was like oh shit okay i was like let I, you know let me start taking fucking notice um and and I tape Renat extremely hard. I spent probably the most time taping Renat uh than I did any other any other fighter on his card. Uh, because motherfucker has my attention now. Um, you know, when you lose me some money in, in that uh in that fashion, um, I I'ma respect you now. And I'm a fucking uh, you know, I'm gonna give you your flowers and give you your respect. Yeah, you know, like you said, very impressive numbers. Um, 75% significant strike accuracy is fucking incredible. Um, you know, obviously the guy wants to wrestle. He wants to get you down. He wants to beat the fuck out of you. But standing, he's no joke either. He is no walking park standing, too. Serious power on the feet. Um, not, not the highest volume, uh, but picks his shots very well, very accurate, like I just mentioned, um, and extremely powerful. So, you know, he could win this fight on the feet, too. He can knock Zaleski out. I have no doubt about it. But, yeah, I think he dominates his fight. Um, you know, Zaleski, like you said, um, what is it, 17 finishes? Yeah, 17 finishes and 24 pro fights. Knocked out 14 individuals, but, you know, he's getting more up there in age, like you said, and, you know, with that has come a lot more decisions, right? Four straight decisions, you know, got knocked out by the leech uh, late, late in that fight. Uh, the Solakov fight, I, I did think he won that fight as well. You mentioned that, uh, you know, beat Benoit Saint-Denis and, you know, how how good is that fucking win aging right now? But yeah, I, I just think this is a really tough matchup for Zaleski. Zaleski is dangerous. Do not get me wrong. No disrespect to Zaleski. Um, I think he can he can you know absolutely bonk Fakradinov, but I think the chances of that are very, very low. Um I think Fak, uh, Fakradinov, excuse me. I think Fakradinov um gets his game plan going. I think he pressures him. I think he gets him down. and yeah, I think he I think he finishes his fight. So, yeah, I do not want to step in front of uh, Fakradinov. I, I'm seeing I'm hearing a lot of the same things that you're hearing. Um, I know I faded uh Fakradinov last time out. Uh, but that was, you know, that was just my ignorance, right? That was me being a bad gambler. That's what that was. But, yeah, I'm seeing the same things this this week that you said. People are very eager to fade this man. And I don't know if it's because, you know, regression to the mean, right? He looks so dominant. Now he's fighting a guy, you know, serious guy with serious power. I don't know what it is, Dan, but, you know, I'm seeing that as well. Uh, guys want to bet, you know, Cody Brundage <laughs> and shit like that. But uh, but Faye Fakradinov, if you – to fade Fakradinov, don't bet this fight. That that would be my advice just don't bet this fight, move on to the next one. Plenty of fights, plenty of spots to get to, but yeah, I, I agree with you again. Um, Fakradinov is a fucking monster, I think he's gonna beat a lot of good guys in the UFC. Um, and he might make a run, he might fuck around and make a run. So, uh, yeah, part of that is obviously uh, beating Zaleski, beating him impressively. I think he can 30 27 Zaleski, and I think he can finish him. So, you know, laying. Um, I don't know if I said this, but I'm going to parlay Farkadinov, um, little bit too juiced, you know, most of the time I don't mind. I've laid minus 300 plus straight before, you know, and just hammered the fuck out of those spots. So I'm not one of those guys that minds doing that. Um, oh, it's too juiced. Uh, I I normally, I don't give a fuck, but little bit too juiced for me to, to play straight. So I'm going to parlay him. Um, you know, I, I, saw a super smart person that I know on Twitter ask yo, who's going to be the parlay buster is it going to be cow or is it going to be Farkadinov? And um, I think it's more likely to be Cal. That, that you know, that's besides the point. But yeah, it is what it is. I like Fagardino. I think he can win in multiple ways, which is exactly what I want when laying this price in a parlay. And yeah, I think he rolls in the spot.
0: Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got Vitor the Hulk Petrino. He's nine and zero, taking on Modestas Bukowskis, who's fifteen and five currently. They got a Vitor Petrino minus two thirty five. The comeback on Modestas Bukowskis is plus two hundred. I mean, listen, Vitor Petrino, I think that his nickname is Isau. I thought, why did I think it was the Hulk? Is it because he looks like the Hulk or does this mean the Hulk? Let me see uh, Portuguese to English translation. I mean, if it's not the Hulk, we're naming him right now. It's Icon. That's what it says is Icon. Okay, fuck, we'll take it. But uh, from now on, it's Vitor the Hulk Petrino. Hey, y'all do me a, a huge favor before we talk about this fight please hit that like button if you're not subscribed please subscribe and then when this is over leave me a comment and also follow my boy nick at finesse the books all right so listen um vitor petrino he's a guy that he's built like an absolute brick shit house this guy is a tank he's a hulk he's a destructive force kind of reminds me of like the same physique as like a yoel romero or apollo costa when they first came into the ufc and I expect him to do things that those guys did when they first came into the UFC. And Modestas Bukowskis, I respect the guy. He's been around the block. He got cut from the UFC. He worked his way back up. You know, he won the Cage Warriors Championship again, makes it back, gets the upset against Tyson Pedro, squeaks by Zach Pauga. And now uh, it's time to get back to reality. Listen, man, I respect Buk- uh, Bukowskis. He's a little bit on the lower output side, but he's got some size for the division, man. You know, the guy is uh, six foot three. He's got a 78 inch reach, he's got a decent kicking game on the outside. And if you're not quite ready for his level, you can go out there and just kind of out-hustle you. I say out-hustle, but he's a he's a lower-volume guy. But, I mean, just maybe, like, pick you apart from the outside. You gas out again against him, show him any kind of weakness. And he does have a functional kickboxing game. My issue with him is that he's got that tall man's defense, like, straight up, like, lifts that chin straight up in the air. He's been knocked out um, more than once, more than twice. He's been knocked out thrice. He's also been submitted once as well. <laughs> um, and well, what's up?
1: No, i just laugh. You know, uh, okay, yeah yeah yeah. Twice. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, basically, I respect the guy a lot, and I'm glad to see him back in the UFC. And even when he takes his L to Vitor, you already just got two wins back-to-back. Back. You're going to get the fourth fight on your contract, so he's going to get to come back. But here, this is a spot for Vitor. Like, Vitor, go out here, and let's not just win this fight. Let's steamroll this guy. The thing about Vitor is... Like I said, he's built like a guy named Vitor. Uh, Y'all remember Vitor Belfort back in the day? But this is the new school Vitor Belfort, man. This guy, one-punch knockout power. He can pick people up Matt Hughes style, walk him across the cage, slam him down. He can submit guys. I mean, he's nasty, bro. Um, It's just a matter of, you know, he's had less than 10 pro fights. And I say it every time. These guys with 10 or less pro fights, they're going to be making big leaps every single fight. He's only 26 years old. Um, this is a big opportunity for him in Brazil. There's probably going to be a bit of an adrenaline dump, but I think that there's a chance he can come out here and and starch Bukowskis. I think there's a chance he can come out here, pick him up over his head, slam him, control him, submit him. I guess my only you know concern would be that he you know gets that 10 8 first round and then it becomes you know it's like we were talking about with Sodique. and what was that other example i made where they almost killed the guy in that first round oh yeah with abubakar and and zaleski where it's like oh man that first round like jesus like and look at you're about to kill the guy and then you just stop fighting uh you know but i don't foresee that being the case because even when vitor gets gassed out he still pushes through it and it's not him gassing out is not about him you know not running his miles or this is that. Look at the shape the guy's in. The guy a hundred percent is in the is in the gym. And when I say the gym, I don't mean you know hitting pads or rolling jujitsu. I mean you know uh the gym in terms of cardio and weights and, and strength and conditioning. I'm talking about that gym too. You know, to get a physique like that, you got to work your fucking ass off. But with that comes, you know, a lot. You need a lot of blood and oxygen to get those to those fucking muscles. And and, and that's the bottom line. Uh, Pepe asked me, does Petrino train at ATT at, uh, Amer- at anabolic top team? I mean, American top team. Um, not to not off the top of my head, but maybe he does. I don't know. But bottom line, I'm sure he's going to be fully prepared for this fight. So to me, I think there's a chance he steamrolls Bukowskis. If Bukowskis wants to show some durability and toughness, I think there's a chance Bukowskis takes an ass-whooping for three rounds as well. Uh, The only path I see is that Vitor just really just empties the clip to a point where he's got nothing left. And in that second and third round, Bukowska is just kind of lower output, just gets off on some kicks and edges it out. But even then, it might be a draw because I think this first round is going to be destruction. So I think Vitor is a prospect to look out for, um, and I think that this is the perfect next step up the ladder for him to show what he's got. So I think he's going to come out here and I'm leaning towards him steamrolling Bukowskis, to be quite frank with you.
1: Yeah, goddammit, Dan. I You know, I, I agree again. Um, yeah, you keep bringing up the Sadiq Youssef fight, and that's one of the more traumatic moments of my life. So I say every time you fucking bring it up. Um,
0: Hurt me bad, too, buddy.
1: Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, I mean, again, amazing breakdown. Uh, you know, starting on the Bukowskis side, like you said, second UFC stint um you know comes back you know shout out to him right does what he does on, on the, the, the cage warrior scene gets his belt back um the cage warriors and finds himself back to the UFC a lot of guys you know run it once with the UFC uh no success get cut and then they kind of fade fade out and we don't really hear from them again so shout out to him takes toughness and perseverance to get back to the spot um and he's picked up some wins you know for Tyson Pedro and you know debut in the second stint um you know there's some rumblings that Pedro was sick I think he, he had stomach issues he had the, he had the shits or whatever the case is and you know Pedro is is gassy um but he looked especially um kind of out of source in that fight but you know it, it is what it is he picked up the win and then against Zach Palga um I bet on Zach Pauga in that fight I think Zach Pauga won that fight one judge gave Zach Pauga 30 27. Then how the fuck does that happen how does that happen did the um, not win rounds one and round two in that fight
0: was her name Chris Lee or Adelaide bird that's probably how it happened yeah I gotta
1: I gotta check that I wanted to check that last night I gotta check that shit but yeah just just insane to me but you know it is what it is and um I think that Pauga fight just highlighted even more so why Bukowski's is a fade for me uh Pauga was piecing him up on a feet Zach Pauga was piecing him up on a feet the guy that dips his head and throws his right hand and that's his only um you know striking sequence um and he was he was piecing up Bukowskis. hurt him in the first round really really bad in that first round so um that is an extremely bad look for me um you know and then i go to his first stint um in the ufc and that's more relevant i think in his matchup right he fought guys like jimmy crew and khalil roundtree who are going to do similar things to what petrino is going to want to do pressure very powerful they're going to want to pressure they want going to want to put you on your back foot and they're going to want to take your fucking head off and both of them were were i mean khalil wasn't you know khalil landed serious fucking bombs in that first round and i think he would have knocked a lot of guys out in that first round um and it kind of hits him with that with that side fucking kick to the knee and absolutely devastating uh one of the most iconic finishes in, in my mind one of the most devastating finishes in my mind and then yeah jimmy crew just absolutely flatlines him and separates him from his consciousness um and that's what victor petrino is gonna want to gonna want to do uh Bukalsis is like you said uh you know great kicks right super fast head kick lightning fast head kick very powerful head kick uh, pretty good straight punches, right? Pretty good jab, uh, pretty good straight punches, um, but very low volume on a feet. That's why his fights are normally boring. If you if you look at some of his cage warriors, some of his other regional fights, just absolute, like five round, just absolute boring ass fucking fights because he's low volume. He wants to scuttle on the outside. He wants to counter punch. And that, that's always going to lead to, to boring fights when you don't have a, a good dance partner. He got a good dance partner for this one. So, you know, I think in this matchup, Bukowski's, has to be perfect for fifteen minutes, and I think that's going to be extremely hard versus a guy like Petrino. Like you said, nine and 26 years old, and I saw the same things that you are seeing. I'm I'm seeing evolution every single fight, which is what we expect when you're twenty six years old, when you're still you know only nine pro fights. Um, We're seeing the best version of Petrino every single time, and I think I think we're going to see the same thing. I think he's going to step in there, and we're going to see the best version of Petrino we've ever seen. Um, He's implementing the offensive wrestling more and more, which I love. Right. If you can mix up the wrestling with that devastating striking, um, you're going to be dangerous for a lot, a lot of fucking guys. So multiple paths to victory in my mind for Petrino. I agree. I think he steamrolls Bukowskis Uh, 15 minutes to catch that chin uh, that that's wide up in the fucking air all the time. I'm going to take my chances that he he catches him. Um, I think he can win a decision as well. A dominant decision Um, uses offensive wrestling. Get get a top time. So, yeah, I think he can win a variety of different ways. This is one of those situations where I'm going to lay the juice. I'm going to play it straight, and I'm going to hammer the fuck out of it because uh, I, I love Petrino in this spot. So I think Petrino uh, gets to 10 wins, gets to eight finishes. Um, Bukowski is a complete fade candidate in my mind. Like I said, I respect him. I respect his resilience, but I don't like his fight style. Um, I don't like um, his, his striking defense at all, um, and I think he's going to get knocked the fuck out in round two in this fight
0: so before we talk about angela hilvers denise gomes um so my boy pepe said he's still waiting for uh the anabolic top team shirt so if y'all want i already got the logo made and everything for these anabolic top team shirts you know just a little comedy shirt um if y'all are interested just uh message me and let me get a head count of who wants one um it's a a great shirt out of the collection i'm going to be coming up with some more badass shirts along the way um it's just a good way to support the show but i want to give you all something quality in, in return you know so the anabolic top team shirts are
1: on the way and we need a we need a fruits and vegetable shirt okay we need a welcome back to half the bat we need that shirt we you got a lot of you got a lot of fucking a lot of ideas right there
0: appreciate you fam so next up in the strawweight division we got angela hill she's 15 and 13 taking on Denise gomes who's eight and two currently they got it uh, Denise Gomes minus joe well, It depends where you look. I see everywhere from minus 140 to minus 125. The comeback on Angela Hill is everywhere from plus 105 to plus 120. Um, so before I talk about this, little trivia time who is which male, uh, former UFC fighter holds the record for most losses in UFC history? Male, uh, oh. you can just say pass pass jeremy stevens makes sense. which female fighter holds the record for most losses in ufc history
1: russian ronda
0: i said most losses in ufc
1: history yeah i know yeah pass angela hill Mm -hmm. i also she has does she have the third most significant strikes in ufc history too male and female possibly Really, really fucking interesting
0: yeah So most losses in UFC history, Angela Hill for the women's most losses in UFC history for the men, Jeremy Stevens. But anyways, to break this fight down, um, I know a lot of people like Hill here, the experience, Denise Gomez looked like shit in her debut and now she's been looking great. But here's my thing, man. Um, do we chalk down that Denise Gomez versus Loma fight as a debut stunt? Because how many times have we seen debut stunts? Tyla fucking Santos lost to Mara Romero Barella in her debut in a very uncharacteristic performance. Daniel Zell Huber against Trey Ogden. Like, what the fuck was that? Right. And then you can say the same thing about Denise Gomez and Loma. It just, I mean, it's e- so, so here, here's the distinction. Was that a debut stunt or was that indicative of, hey, she got exposed with a lot of holes in her game? Because, you know, it, with the guys you know when the guys come back and they get two little quick finishes or whatever i I don't put too much stock into it okay no big deal but in the ladies divisions let alone straw weight which is the lowest weight class in the ufc and you're getting knockouts like that stands out to me man and the bruna brazil fight she put so much pressure on her that she literally made bruna brazil pack up and go home and and that's the Bruno Brazil that had just landed the best head kick knockout in women's contender series history, or the only one. And then the Yasmin Nira-Gui fight—that wasn't a quit job like the Bruno fight. That was more like she just caught her. But to get those kind of aggressive finishes um, in the women's divisions, let alone strawweight, that stands out. So it's like, what do we view the Loma Luke Bumi fight at? Do we look at it as a debut stunt, or do we look at it as she just simply? got exposed for a lot of holes in her game. Cause here's the thing with Angela Hill. A lot of people are talking about, well, the only times Angela Hill loses fights is split decisions, which first of all is complete bullshit because Mackenzie Dern literally beat the living shit out of Angela Hill. How do you come back from that? Especially at how old are you now? 38 going to turn 39 in a couple months. And, and I hear people talking about how, well, you know, it's usually she loses split decisions. I just proved that wrong. She got the shit beaten out of her by Mackenzie Dern. And then, and then, The other argument is, well, no one's just ever came out there and just ran through her. Oh, really? You never watched that random Marcos fight? I know it says it was an arm bar, but don't let that fool you. Random Marcos rocked her. Random Marcos just walked through Angela Hill in that first round. So for someone to say that Angela Hill can't be walked through in the first round, I mean, that's just categorically false. That's just not true because I've seen it with my own eyes. And yeah, maybe I can give her a pass rose nama Yunus and carla esparza doing it in 2014 and 2015 okay no big deal you know two champs whatever but uh i have not forgotten about what randa marcos did to uh to angela hill and i could see a similar thing happening here with Denise. man it's just for me I, i'm one of these guys that i know we've been right we've been wrong but i i, I rarely ever pick angela hill man i'm i respect her i mean she's a You can say she's a pioneer. She's the first uh, black woman to headline a UFC card. Hey, like tons of young ladies are going to look up to you for that. Like that is fucking badass. So respect to you and to be in the UFC as long as you've been. I mean, again, respect to you. And even in some of these fights she's lost, she's fought very competitively. So nothing but respect. But for people to tell me that, oh, she can't just be walked through in the first round. Go pull up that random Marcos fight, look me in the eye with a straight face, and tell me that's true, because it's not. She can absolutely be walked through in the first round. So I just don't... I'm not going to bet on this fight unless I get plus money on Denisi, because I don't know if the Loma fight was a debut stunt or if that was truly indicative of big-time holes in her game. So this is gonna this is going to kind of let me know a little bit. If it's a split decision, I expect the Brazilian fighter to get it. So for Angela... She's got to really expose this girl. She's got to really put a clinic on this girl. Do you foresee her doing that?
1: I do not. And uh, it sounds like you're leaning towards the Gomez side. I know you said you're waiting for plus money. I really thought this was going to be the one that we finally disagreed on. But, yeah, I I like I like uh, Denise as well. Um, You know, like you said, Hill seems to be a a public dog dog this week. Extremely public dog. The, the, The more I see on twitter and stuff like that um i
0: re- respected people too
1: yeah yeah super sharp people people that i respect you know taking a plus money shot uh but that's kind of indicative within itself right uh in a matchup like this uh you know angela Hills, a lot of things to like right experience edge uh strength of competition edge all of that stuff yet yeah she's plus money it, it seems seems real funky to me but uh yeah, you know, people are saying, you know, th- I'm hearing some things even from respected people that I just disagree with. People are saying that Hill is levels above uh Denise everywhere. Uh, you know, Hill may have some advantages like volume, right? I think she's a little bit better in the clinch, especially up against the cage, but I don't think there's really any major skill gaps anywhere this fight goes. Um, I can see Hill as yeah, I can see why Hill is a public dog. Um, how can you not love Angela Hill? Like you said, um, you know, staple in the UFC fought the who's who across two divisions 24th ufc fight dating back a decade ago which is you know an amazing accomplishment within itself um she's tough as hell she got that dog in her she got that absolute fucking dog in her um at surface level there's you know there's things to like like i said in this matchup much more experience uh way better level of competition she's never been knocked out uh she's been hurt uh you know like you said um uh what's a Uh, no the fucking um Lemos. No, the <laughs> keep going. Uh, I'm fucking brave. Her last fight, um, Mackenzie, dunk, yeah, beat, beat the fuck out of her. So she's taking damage in her career, but never been knocked out. Uh, but it's worth noting in this matchup, right, due to go, uh, Denise Gomez's power. So, um, yeah, like I said, I like Gomez in this matchup. Some clear red flags on the hillside, in my opinion. Uh, you mentioned it 38 years old, she's already slowing down, in my opinion. You know, I'm, I'm hearing some things that she still looks really good at 38. I, I disagree. Um, you look at fights three, four years ago, um, and I think she's much more crisp, much faster. I think her defense is a lot better, and it's, it's expected, right? She's 38, almost 39 years old, um, you know, way less. I think her her style has changed a bit, too, with the age, uh, you know, less movement and circling on the outside. She's more forward pressure now, uh, which I don't think necessarily is good in this matchup. Uh, she took a shit ton of damage versus Dern, like you said, almost got finished countless times. I think some other refs would have finished that fight multiple times, um, she got rocked and knocked down in round one in that fight. Got wobbled again, really fucking bad in round three with a, a a nasty front knee from Mackenzie Dern. Eleven minutes of control control time for Dern, most of which you know, almost that entire eleven minutes of control time was spent blocking punches with her face. Um, and that type of damage at this point in her career, at this age, can affect your durability and and maybe cause some you know some hesitation down the line. So we'll see how that goes. Um, like I said, Hill's never been knocked out. We've seen it her many times in her career. Denise Gomez has a skill set to maybe crack that chin for the first time. Um, I don't think Hill is much is a much, much better striker than Gomes. Um, she may be a, a bit more technical, uh, but Hill can still get sloppy at times. She can brawl at times. Um, I think the striking is relatively close, especially because Gomes, you mentioned this as well. Gomes has something that is extremely rare in WMMA, that devastating one-punch uh, one knockout power, which is in WMMA, I mean, maybe kind of one-hand uh, the amount of girls that, that have that, um, and just the, the nasty, the nastiness, the physicality of her style, very rare in WMMA, um, which alone I think can balance the scales a bit and and level the playing field in areas where she may be slightly less skilled in than Hill. Um, you know, we saw the KO power in the last fight, you know, 22nd KO brutal. Um, she rocked and dropped Bruna Brazil in round one. You mentioned that as well um I don't like Hill striking defense at this point in her career uh she lost a, a a huge majority of the striking exchanges to Mackenzie fucking Dern who who striking is getting better uh but we know what Mackenzie Dern wants to do she is not a striker um you know I think one of the reasons she has so much success uh for, I think one of the reasons she struggles so much versus Dern is cuz she was expecting the shots and I think one of the reasons she has so much success against a girl like Dakota it's because there was really no takedown threat. She knew what Dakota wanted to do was which was box. Um, I think um sorry, I think uh, I think Denise can mix it up fairly well too. I think she can get takedowns. Uh, you know, I'm hearing that um, you know, Hill has all of the offensive wrestling upside. I disagree. I, I think I think Gomez can surprise her, kind of bait her into the striking exchanges, and I think she can, you know, get the hips and take her down too and control on the top. She is very nasty on top, uh, very nasty ground to pound. Um so, yeah, I think, like I said, you know, she's going to be I think she's going to land the bigger shots. I think she's going to have the bigger moments in this fight, judge swing moments, especially in her home country. Um, and I think she can win minutes solely on her physicality, which I mentioned is extremely rare, rare uh, whether that's in the clinch, whether that's getting some top time. Um, I think Gomez can win a decision as well. So, you know, multiple pass, which is a common thing that I've mentioned, uh, you know, throughout the show, a common thing that I look for. And like I said before, I think she can KO Hill for the first time in her career. So. I really like Denisi. Um, you know, I, I took the minus one twenty. Um, if if we get a better line, which is you know what you said you're looking for, i I have no problem double dipping as well. Um, again, one of my favorite spots on the card. So uh, give me Denisi in this matchup.
0: Yeah, and if it's a split decision, get ready for Angela Hill to cry robbery for about a month straight. Now, next up, also in the Strawway division, we got Montserrat Conejo Ruiz. She's ten and three, uh, welcoming Eduardo Mura, who's nine and zero to the UFC. Currently, they got it um eduarda Mura, who's minus 600 taking on ruiz who's plus 425 so basically uh my issue with ruiz is a couple things number one she's just strictly a head and arm throw girl that's literally the extent of it i mean on a regional scene she got like a key lock from a scarfold. you know like so you know respect for all that but that kind of stuff's not going to work in the ufc and also respect to her for fraud checking uh, Cheyenne Blissmas because Cheyenne Blissmas not just got fraud checked inside the octagon, but outside as well. So you love to see it. But at the end of the day, man, Monstrat Ruiz is five feet tall with a 61 inch reach. She's tiny. She should be fighting at atom weight, and now she's taking on a girl who's five six. Which, yeah, that sounds short. Like if you're a dude, but like like Volk is five six. What I'm trying to say here is this girl's six inches taller. She's got a five inch reach advantage. She's she's J- Jaiulten Alameda's protege. She's physical as hell, and I just don't think that you're just going to be able to just head and arm throw her and and control her. Someone like this, so yeah, there's going to be a spot to fade Mora down the line, but here she's too physical, she's too strong, and the way their styles match up, I think she's going to neutralize Conejo and possibly get a sub or a ground and pound TKO along the way. So it doesn't take a genius to pick a minus six hundred, but uh, I will pick that minus six hundred, uh, probably emphatically too.
1: Yeah, Dan, I was hoping I was hoping to come here and uh, you know, get the therapy that I needed from you, Dan. Right, you're a smart guy, you're a level-headed guy. I was hoping to get some therapy from you and get talked off the ledge because I want to parlay Mora, right? And the last time I did that was uh, with uh, Kanato Morata. And we know what happened in that spot. She was, what, minus 350, minus 400 around that range. And she loses a fucking split in a fight that I thought she won. But, you know, when I first started taping this fight, I saw the odds and I'm like, I'm going to have very little. I'm going to tape it anyways, but I'm going to have very little interest in this fight it's a huge WMMA favorite. I've had really bad, um, you know, luck in those spots, but the more I think about it, you know, my write-up is done. Now I taped it. Tape is done. I agree. I think more of fucking runs through Kanejo. So if I think that, why would I not parlay her, even at this price? I don't know. May not be the plus EV thing to do. May not be the smartest thing to do, but that's, that's what I want to do. Uh, Kanejo on a Kanejo side, Hasn't really been active, right? One fight in the last two and a half years. Uh, decent record on paper, ten and three. But you know, it started her pro career on an eight-fight win streak, uh, but it, uh, against extremely low-level competition. And once she once she got to the big show, you know, got to the UFC, she she struggled. Um, you know, like you said, he, heading on through a bust in the UFC through three fights. Uh, finished a regional fight with it. I think you mentioned that, which is impressive. But um, you know, landed in all three rounds of her her, her debut versus buys and it was it was tough to watch. Bys just could not stop it. And it was, it was crazy. Uh, Conejo was getting pieced up on her feet and Baez just can, could not keep the feet standing. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Um, Conejo had nearly 11 minutes of control time in that fight. Um, all in that same position, right? head and arm choke, got it to the ground, stayed in the head and arm choke, and she just rolled out the fucking round. It was crazy. It was crazy to watch. Um, but uh, yeah, I think her best trade is, is Conejo's best trade is her toughness, right? She got that Mexican heart, that Mexican spirit. But when your best trade is toughness, I mean, you know, people have discussed this many, many times. When your best trade is toughness, that is a horrible best trade to have. Um, I don't like, like what I see on the feet at all offensively. She's very, very sloppy, uses the sloppy and wild striking to to try to close distance. Um, you know, decent kicks, decent cardio, decent top pressure. But I, at this point, I feel like I'm just reaching for shit to, to, to say good about Conejo. Um you know we saw Amareem sweep Conejo from bottom several times. Um, easily. Amory beat the fuck out of her in that fight. 141 strikes landed in in, in a WMMA three-round fight. Cause Sicily tried to finish her with subs and strikes, almost finished her at the end of the first, almost finished her at the end of the second. I think 10 more seconds are out of those rounds, and, and she's done for. Uh on the moral side, it, you know, undefeated nine and oh, eight finishes, seven in the first round. Uh, most of them coming from absolutely dominant positions, which I think she's gonna secure in this fight as well, only been a pro for a year and a half, but, which is crazy within itself, but she seems, I don't know about you, Dan, she seems really well-developed for only a year and a half in the game, um, she wants to take you down, she wants to beat you the fuck up, good offensive wrestler, great grappler, uh, um, which is a dangerous combo, when you have that offensive wrestling, and then you can grapple on the back end of it, that's an extremely dangerous combo, um, uh, where am I, uh, ran through Silva, Dan, you there, you haven't,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, my uh, first camera died, so I'm gonna put on my my backup cam. You can keep talking.
1: I bet yeah, I'll keep uh keep yapping. Uh, absolutely ran through Silva on Dana White's Contender Series. Took it down within 10, 10 seconds. Beat her up and finished her, which which is what I love to see. Execute your game plan. Execute what you're best at. Um, she's very aggressive on top, constantly searching for better positions, constantly looking to finish, and she fights smart. You know, versus low level comp. You know, but I'm watching. I'm watching her. Right. I'm watching her and you know, she can only do what she can do, uh, you know, in front of these girls. So um, I think she can use all of these things to, you know, get dominant, get dominant positions, keep dominant positions. Um, I'm going to be looking at a couple of different things. Like I said, I you know, I kind of wanted to to parlay Mora. The Mora minus three and a half, once that drops on DK, I think that's a, a really good look. I think she could win dominantly 30, 27, 30, 26. And I think she could finish, which also cashes the minus three and a half. I'm going to look at finish props for Mora as well. Um, There's some red flags, of course, like I said, huge, Favorite in wmma She's unproven. She's making her debut, which you know, we know how that can go. But I think this is a great matchup for her. I think possibly a setup spot in her home country. Kanejo is tiny, like you mentioned, six inches taller, six inch reach advantage, uh, making and head and arm chokes even even tougher. And against a physical girl like this, I don't see a head and arm throw working. I think Kanejo is going to be stronger, much more active. And yeah, I think she runs through uh runs through Kanejo. So um, as much as I don't want to, as much as my heart, as, as my mind is telling me not to, my heart is telling me to parlay Mora and take the minus three and a half. That's probably what I'm going to do. Um, I think she wins dominantly in the second fight of the night.
0: And last but not least, in the lightweight division, we got Mark Jacacy, 16 and 7, welcoming Kaui Fernandez, who's 8 and 1. Currently, they got it. Mark Jacasey, holy shit, he got steamed. Minus 175, the comeback on Kaui Fernandez is plus 150, so... Uh, Mark Chakasi, he falls under the talented flake category for me. I mean, the guy is super talented, athletic, well-rounded, um, experienced, but he's the kind of guy that you know he can have competitive fights with the best guys in the world, like Fiziev, and then he can also get choked out in the first round by Rafael Alves and you know, it seems like when adversity presents itself, he doesn't respond the best to it. Um, and then with Cowie Fernandez, he's an, a Nova O'Neal guy. He kind of reminds me of his training partner, Leo Santos, like a younger version of him. Like they have kind of a similar body type. Uh, Fernandez is a little bit shorter, but it seems like he's skinny. So it seems like he's a little bit on the longer side, even though he's shorter than Leo Santos. And he's just Like the same style. Like it doesn't look the prettiest, but like this guy's got a good first round storm. He's got really good jujitsu um on the feet. He will swing bombs. And even when he gasses out, he's still gonna try. Um, it's just that you know, the the fight that he lost um against Luan Sarginia, who by the way, I'd like to see in the UFC one day. That kid looked very impressive and he hasn't fought since then, which sucks because I'd love to see that kid on like contender series or something like that. Like Luan Sarginia looked legit. But basically, like I said, this guy's like a Leo Santos. Like, um, he's, you know, kind of a little bit like longer strikes when he gets tired, he brawls a bit, um, on the mat early on he's hell on wheels, but with that style, it requires a lot of energy. And if he gets extended, that's when he tends to, to fade a little bit down the line. Uh, also has this interesting head kick that he throws from boxing range and he's really good at separating from the clinch and exiting with that so that's really cool to see you love to see stuff like that and then with Jacasey, like i said he's a talented flake he's a Worley Alves. he's a ricardo ramos he's an alexander hernandez he can beat anybody he can lose to anybody so yeah while i lean jacquesi with the ufc experience more proven been the three round distance multiple times tends to do well late in fights but it's not going to surprise me one bit if this guy flakes out, if this guy faces one bit of adversity and has shown the door, if he gets tapped out, if, I mean, he's been coming out with two knee braces in fights lately, so I don't trust Jacacy at all. I'm going to lean him because of the experience, but it's not going to surprise me one bit if Fernandez comes out here and, and gets him out of there in that first round. It's just not, but yeah, I'll, I'll pick Jacacy with the experience, but a lot of people are planting their flag on this one, and I get why. Like, a guy with a lot of experience that's proven versus a guy that's not proven but the proven guy is also proven to be a flake you know a talented flake at that but yeah it's a pass for me i'll i'll, I'll pick jkc
1: yeah uh like you said jkc G- G- against steam now as as far I, I was up at like 3 4 a.m. and jkc was still like minus 125 minus 130 now best price you can get minus 145 on betmgm and i'm taking that um i'm locking that in now um i was You're locking open, what in uh jkc money line minus 145 um yeah, I like the spot for Jacacy. Uh Bilo spot. I think recency bias may be affecting the line a bit. Uh, coming off the Alvarez fight, uh brutal luck, uh terrible ref in that fight. Um, obviously with the headbutt. Um he's in an enemy territory, but um, you know, might be fighting for his job uh, in his fight. Uh, you know, if he goes 0 3, UFC making cuts, uh, a lot of cuts as of late. He's an exciting fighter, so you know, not not a um uh not a for sure thing that he gets cut, but you never know. Um, this is a, a step down of competition for uh, for Jakey and I think it's a good stylistic, stylistic matchup. Uh, vet vetting the game, 15th UFC fight. He's had his ups and downs, you know, two-fight losing streak, like I mentioned, uh, but still only 30 years old, uh, still smack dab in his prime, um, and has evolved into a very well-rounded fighter. Uh, really worked on and improved his cardio, went 50 hard minutes in three of his last four fights. Um, some grueling paces in those fights too. um, offensive, you know, wrestling paces, excuse me, uh, for all 15 minutes, um, you know, dynamic striker, which is kind of what he entered the UFC and, um, you know, bone crusher, right. What's his name coming into the UFC. So, um, was absolutely a dynamic striker. Wanted to just strike with you. And now kind of rounding out his game, uh, great kicks to all levels, good strike and defense, uh, very defensively aware, which is what I like, um, durable, right. He, he's been hurt before, you know, a few club of subs. You know, the alvarez fight um yeah that's how you know when people don't watch tape I, I'm, i've heard multiple people so far this week oh he got knocked out by, by alvarez i mean oh you know he got subbed by alvarez he got dropped and subbed by alvarez um you know we we know what happened in that fight um where yeah uh now now we get d1 d casey um you know is improved uh, offensive wrestling he uses it a ton more uh like i said he came into the ufc as an explosive striker Bit of a brawler, um, you know, exciting fights, but he's smartening up now, right? He, he's a grown man now, he's smartening up using his wrestling more. Took Alvarez down, attempted six takedowns versus versus Michael Johnson. Uh, Michael Johnson ju- just stuffed them all, um, and absolutely dominated Hazovich and, and Borishev uh, with his offensive wrestling. Um, dominated that fight. Uh, on the Fernandez side, obviously making his UFC debut off a good run in LFA, BJJ Black Belt, opportunistic sub game, active off his back. Dangerous guard, uh, really good kick game, nasty calf kicks, which with Dia Casey can be susceptible to. Uh great head kicks, like he's, like you mentioned, especially in close. Had that highlight real KO in his last fight. Um, uh, you know, he loves to he loves that 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 head kick off the off the uh clinch break. Nasty, really nasty shit. And and in his last fight, the the opponent never saw it until his his toes were in his fucking temple. It, it was it was an amazing finish. Um you know, uh he's kind of wild with his hands. I don't like his striking at all. Um, striking defense isn't great either. Kind of hands down point, kind of point kind of style, with which I don't love. As far as the matchup, like I said, I think it's a good spot for D Casey. He's gonna be faster, gonna be more athletic, more experienced, almost twice the amount of UFC experience as Fernando has pro experience um in general. Um, come uh coming against much better competition as well. Major cardio edge for me. Like I said, GKC has very, very much improved his gas tank. Um, and we've seen Fernandez absolutely die in, in round twos. I've seen that multiple times. Um, he quit in that Sardinia fight, um, just w- was happy to just lay on his back and, uh, and and lose the fight and get the fuck out of there. So super bad look uh, for me. Um, and against Rodriguez, he, he, you know, he, he gassed in that fight too. Sardinia completely took over uh, the last two rounds in that fight, dominating from top position. Uh, you know, D. Casey's been a decision-aid in the UFC as of late, but I think he has multiple ways to win this fight, uh, revolving around him fighting smart, you know what I'm saying some you know like I said he came in um to the UFC interesting style right entertaining for us fans but not always the smartest style um you know guys that you know then he's kind of evolved guys that he know he can take down um he, he's done that he's done that as soon as the fight has has begun um so I think if he fights smart in this in this matchup um I think he could take over especially uh, possibly even break Fernandez late in the fight Fernandez seems pretty tough uh but exhaustion you know will make cowards of us all so I think he can win minutes, win rounds with his offensive wrestling. He has to stay safe. Obviously, Fernandez is dangerous off his back uh, with that BJJ black belt. But, um, you know, he's shown he can stay safe before in fights. Dia Casey, he's shown he can stay safe and guard um, against Alvarez, too. Um, I, you know, I like to look in the Alvarez fight. Again, he got finished and, you know, it is what it is. But um, I think he w- he was making a very good account of himself um, in that fight versus a very, very dangerous Alvarez so yeah, I think he's going to be much, much better, more, more explosive striker. Uh, uh, you know, better. Uh, I think more. Uh, offensive wrestling upside, in my opinion. So yeah, give me Dia Uh, you know, I should have locked it in at minus one twenty when I saw it, but I, I still take the minus one forty five. Um, yeah, I think he. Uh, I think he finishes this fight. Uh, round two, round three finish.
0: Yeah, good luck, man. I mean, I get it with the experience and everything, but he still hot and cold seven and seven ufc record can beat anyone can lose to anyone very flaky but but a talented flake not a untalented flake. He, he's good um i just hope he can put it together on fight night for you you know but you can't act surprised if he pulls another stunt because he's pulled oh, yeah, plenty of them
1: yeah i won't know so, you know
0: but man thank you so much for joining me on the special edition sao paulo edition of half the battle y'all can follow my boy nick at finesse the books appreciate you fam For all the fans thank you all so much for all your support throughout the years truly truly appreciate it please hit the like button if you're not subscribed please subscribe when this is over leave me a comment if you feel so inclined to share please do so and let me know if you all want those anabolic top team shirts and any other half the battle quotes that you like me saying and you want on a t-shirt just let me know as well because i'm gonna make some of those that's a good way to support the show and to give you all guys something cool back in return so best of luck this weekend. Everybody enjoy the fights. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.